The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Coming Book Chronicles. I am your host, Ryder Cat. You can find me at Ryder Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nice Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. And the sound effects you have just heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Co-hosting from the borough. We're Brooklyn! We're Brooklyn! We're Brooklyn! Indeed. Uh, like we said, this be the Comic Book Chronicles. You can find this here podcast on the Coast Leather Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. Oh, there's a weird amount of uh, other comic book uh, related Twitches that are similarly named out there. But guess what? Ours is the one you need to come to. And that would be when we're recording live every Thursday night at uh, the Click Nation uh, uh, YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash the Click Nation and twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles, all one word. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and and hit the uh, notification button and that like button. Uh, pound it. Indeed. And you can also find this here podcast on your podcast provincial place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Again, hit like and subscribe and uh, make sure to leave us five-star reviews on Spotify if that ever gets up working or Apple Podcasts. I guess we should uh, check in on that, huh? Uh, one of these days. But for right now, um, we are going to actually, and I'm going to let Agent 70 kind of take the head on this one, uh, kind of recap briefly the season finale of Peacemaker Season 1, which is was episode 8. Right, so uh, we're going to tread very lightly because this episode did just drop earlier today, and very many people have not yet had their chance to watch peacemaker so the few people who are probably tuning in live right now will want to uh mute you know what we're saying for at least a little while or and for the people who are tuning in on audio or video later on just fast forward until you have a chance to watch peacemaker but i'm going to ring the spoiler bell in any event so uh be prepared for incoming spoilers on peacemaker season one episode eight in three two one So, 
at the beginning of this episode, we essentially pick pick up right where we left off. We're on our way, you know, not exactly to see the wizard, but to uh, deal with uh, what has been termed, at least euphemistically, a cow. And that is the source of food for these butterfly aliens. And bottom line is, you know, we are at the conclusion of this uh, story arc, this first season, and um, things are coming to a head. Very, you know, the vast majority of the dangling plot lines that remain are are coming to some form of resolution in this episode. So uh, there is a confrontation at the end. There is a battle that uh, doesn't exactly play out the way you think it would. Uh, somehow, uh, Adebayo makes her way down, somehow makes her way down a, a set of destroyed stairs safely, which I, I found very, you know, found very unbelievable, you know. Make her pave the way. No, but given the given how it was portrayed, I know. You know, given how it was portrayed, it's like, wait, how are you getting down there? Right. You know, that was really that that literally took me that that literally uh, led me to, uh, you know, put some disbelief back in and 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 and, and uh, knock me back into reality. I was like, wait, how did that happen? Right. It's kind of like they went and said, all right, we got to go back and smooth this out so that she could smooth back way, as opposed to how. Peacemaker went down uh, the first the before her. Exactly. So, uh, right. So it's a bad uh, sports night here in Brooklyn for me. So I'm going to turn that off and put some uh, attention back on Peacemaker. Um. So you know this is a this is a preview of how annoyed I'm going to be during the show tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I'm trying to think what else I can say that won't actually spoil what happens in this episode. Bottom line is, as I said earlier, uh, you know, we do get some resolutions. We do have a resolution to at least part of this butterfly story. Uh, one of the new stories that we're going to get involves Peacemaker being renewed for a second season, I presume. And... Uh, we don't have. I'm sorry. I said, which I feel like we already we've been we knew about this already, like right? A long time ago. But I feel like, yeah, I feel like there were more stories about it today, probably in the wake of the ending of the season, and at least, I, at least from what I saw across my social media feeds when I was on it today, and oh, right. ultimately, what uh, you know, what we're left with is you know some, as I said, a resolution, but without a possible tease of where this might go in the second season. I don't think they had that in mind just yet when they were writing, when J James Gunn was writing this per se. So, uh, it's interesting to see where they might go in the second season. There are some obvious directions they might go with the developments that happen at the end of the episode, uh, specifically with Adebayo and what she chooses to do as our point of view character. So, uh, you know whether or not we're we're going to see more of vigilante and peacemaker you know just being ridiculous as they have been this entire season in the second season 
you know, we'll see. But at the end of the day, um, you know, this was definitely a James Gunn vehicle for his sense of humor and his uh, sense of uh, direction for, you know, for these kind of offbeat characters that you can dig around and find in the various uh, comic book canon that uh, he has access to. So, you know, it, 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 it was definitely something that had his sensibilities, his, his uh, sense of style and uh, sense of humor above all, above all. So, uh, Radicat, did you have any other uh, thoughts on this? Like I said, I'm dancing around it because it's not fair. You know, it's so soon after this episode uh, and this series ended to really give like deeper uh, uh, spoilers because it hasn't even been a day like we would if we were doing uh, a Wednesday show. But because it's a Thursday show, it's a little different. Um, no, like, yeah, the only thing I can say is like, yeah, they felt like they, even though, like I was saying, I think when, like I said, just when I felt like the news of the second season was kind of known before now, but it still felt like they wrote the seat, they wrote the end, um, not knowing that right. they were going to, and uh, so that's why I felt like the, the, the end of it was like, well, here we go. We get, we're getting to this point, and I don't know if we get picked up, then you know, so be it. But like I said, but outside of that, yeah, it was just kind of a it it went a certain way. It was you know, like you said, um, it was his particular uh, style of humor and direction, and it it kind of ended the way it ended. I don't. I will say that you know there is an interesting surprise, or not. This, this is not spoiler, but there was an interesting surprise that comes at the end that I wasn't expecting. Um, so or near the end, I should say, that I, that I wasn't expecting. I was like, huh, okay, cool, that was neat. So, and I'm sure there's a lot of lots of. If you haven't seen it yet, you, you be uh, be careful on social media because there's definitely a lot of um, uh, the stories going about it. Um, today. Which character? Huh? About which character? About the surprise. Oh, yeah. I didn't even want to bring that up, but the, there is a surprise cameo at the end. Um, you know, I was I was taken aback by it. I was like, oh, okay, so uh, we're going there with this. Right. Which, yeah, which not other, it reminds me of something I hope after, after the show wraps, I have to, if I remember, I have to Something kind of interesting about that scene. I was like, huh, okay. But uh, we'll talk about it later. Regardless, like I said, yeah, it was what it was. That's I, I really don't have that much to say about the finale. It, you know, it ended like it ended. Excuse me. I will say, well, I guess before we end up going forward, though, um, there is a piece of news that is in the the show notes in the um. In the clickbait station of the show notes about the Peacemaker art actor, the dude that played uh, one particular character, gives a musical tribute uh, to said character that they played. Um, and spoiler, if you haven't seen like the last episode of, of uh, Peacemaker also, but that was a week ago. So, you know, mm-hmm. but um, I thought that was a, um, a pretty pretty cool thing right was the was, was the opening song uh, i was about to say i'm sorry did you have uh, just finish up that thought and then I'll, i just had a quick question 
There's an opening song I didn't recognize, and it definitely, you know, it had a Call of Duty reference in it, so it definitely wasn't of the 80s ilk. So I kind of bumped on that at the beginning of this episode also. Yeah. I was like, I, I don't know this song. It's it, it's definitely, you know, of James Gunn's taste. But at the end of the day, because it's not an 80s song the way, you know, the vast majority of these songs, you know, they're unrecognizable to me because I wasn't, you know, listening to that band, that uh, that brand of music other than that one Motley Crue song that is actually amongst their greatest hits, um, you know, making it more recognizable to me. So that that opening song that that that's being played while uh, while the crew's on their way to deal with the cow is you know definitely of a newer brand. It's definitely a, a, a of a, a more recent vintage, and I was wondering if you had any in- insight on that, or if you had recognized it at all. Nope, I, that that one caught me too because I was like, yeah, that's definitely not an old song, but it was kind of funny because I was I'm looking at the uh, lyrics because I I watch it with the uh, subtitles on. I'm mm-hmm. like, huh, okay, right. This is, this is a choice, right? <laughs> I mean, all I heard was you know what 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 I heard specifically was the the Call of Duty reference. I was like, all right, that's not an old song, right? Well, yeah, and I heard the, I think the line before that I heard also was like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Like oh, okay, where is this? Where is this song supposed to be going? And and then I heard this called Ludo, the duty thing. I'm like okay, sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, outside of now, I couldn't tell you what it was from either or who it was either. I know they said at the beginning, but you know in the subtitles. But I I couldn't tell you right off the bat. Right. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, uh, I still hold her firm to to what I said about uh, this whole, the show. The show as a hold whole. It's fun. I mean, it's just, you know, I'm still not really crazy about Peacemaker or Vince but they're two dumb schmucks, and it, I guess, you know, for the show to work, it, they got to be that. And they, supposedly, it's supposed to redeem him in a certain way, which I don't, I can't sit here and say that it fully did. No, it's still a journey for the character, you know, and Vigilante is an interesting character for them to bounce the Peacemaker character off of, you know, because. Mm-hmm. You know, compared to compared to Vigilante, Peacemaker actually does come off as more normal. <laughs> true. This that's is true. the that's the I think that's the one that's the one uh, function that Vigilante this version of Vigilante serves. We have to be clear about that because this is not this does not jive with any version of Vigilante that I've ever been familiar with. So this is something whole that has been kind of this character. This 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 characterization has been basically invented whole cloth. The character itself obviously is based on uh, an older DC Comics uh, canon character. Yep, yep, yeah. Like, and even the other the other live action version of the same character was was nowhere near this. And I know people didn't like that version either. But like, comparatively, no, that character that was probably markedly better. Oh, you mean, oh, oh, that's right. You mentioned this before, that there's a CW version. Right. Yeah, we have to be clear. It's like, oh, it's a CW version. <laughs> exactly. As opposed to this uh, HBO Max version. Right. All yeah, right. Anyway. Much next. To go ahead and get into the books of the week. And I believe we said we were going to start off with the new number one of the week. That would that being Iron Fist number one. All righty. So Iron Fist number one is written by Alyssa Wong 
with art by Michael YG or Ig. I'm not sure if if that is actually uh, 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 a a shortening of a full last name. Um, Colors by J. David Ramos and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So if you are at all familiar with some of the mythology behind Iron Fist, this issue basically takes that and throws it in the dumpster. I was not happy with some of the turns that Alyssa Wong took this character down. Um, you know, so we so we know that Marvel has been leading up to this for a little while. With and it's not a spoiler here, but if it is, uh, because you haven't been keeping up with recent events uh, surrounding Danny Rand, then I'm going to ring the spoiler bell very quickly. But uh, once you get into this book, you'll understand that uh you know this is something that is uh structurally integral to the creation of this new iron fist story so spoilers and three two one so during a previous limited series written by larry hama uh danny rand gives up the power of the iron fist basically uh the, the the power of the chi of Shu Lao, the uh, eternal or the undying dragon that uh, is that resides uh, outside of Kunlun, um, basically uh, is stored in an egg for a new version of Shu Lao to uh, be born, and uh, Danny Rand is still obviously a very well-trained martial artist, but lacks the power of the iron fist. You know, he's unable to call upon that power to reinforce his martial arts skills. In this issue, we find ourselves, uh, introduced to, um, well, we know we catch up with, uh, what's happening in Kunlun. I don't recall if all of the characters that we've become familiar with over the years since Fraction and Brubaker introduced them or or reinvigorated them in their uh, Immortal Iron Fist limited series, uh, not limited series, but ongoing series that lasted quite a few issues um, in, I want to say, the earlier 2000s. And... Uh, I don't recall if they were all killed off or not. I'm kind of uh, surprised that uh, we haven't seen uh, anyone around. I think they killed the original Thunderer and they brought – they're basically training people to uh, take the, the place of a lot of the characters that uh, Danny Rand kind of developed uh, in – you know that, that were developed alongside Danny Rand in that uh, miniseries and beyond. And so – that is all part of uh, Marvel's overall plan to uh, recenter the Iron Fist story, and so we, you know, we have a new Thunder, we have a new uh, UT, and uh, we end up catching up with uh, Danny Rand as he encounters the new Iron Fist, who is uh, wielding both the Chi of Shu Lao and some shards let's say of a weapon that this character once wielded and uh you know suffice to say we were all very much on point with who we thought this new iron fist was going to be it was not exactly uh well hidden it was pretty much an open secret you know except to those who did not keep up with uh some of the more recent uh 
characters that have been introduced. We'll put it that way. And one thing that's disheartening about how they have given this character more of a spotlight is basically a reboot of this character, of refreshing of refreshing of this character to give the character more shine and more space. But at the same time, this character was always annoying uh, before. He was annoying then and he's worse now somehow. And obviously this is supposed to be part of the story. This is supposed to be part of this character learning to deal with the responsibilities that he's been giving, learning how to become a better hero, learning how to become a better person. And he may very well help be helped along the way by um, some of the supporting characters that we're introduced to here, as well as Danny Rand, the former Iron Fist. Still, it's kind of frustrating to me that they used that they basically took one of the kind of tried and true uh, ways of becoming an Iron Fist and turned that on its head and basically, as I said earlier, threw that in the dumpster. And that's kind of frustrating to me. You know, basically you're supposed to make you're supposed to be worthy to, you know, take on Shu Lao and you know and, and, and obtain the the heart of the dragon. You know, in this issue, it's implied, and obviously it's only the first issue, but they do, I think, the utmost to try to streamline his or this character's origin as much as they can, uh, you know, to, to make it so that he's not earned it, but is granted it. And that really frustrated me. I don't know how you felt out, I felt about that, Roddy Cat. Yeah, I mean, having, so having just... I'm I'm gonna uh, wait to hear Roddy Cat try to defend this at all costs. I'm not. I'm not. Um, I mean, it is what it is. There's there's no defense for it. They, this is the way they, they chose to do it. So having just um, reread that last um, Iron Fist, where where Danny gave uh, Dan, uh, miniseries, where Danny gave up the power in the, in the way that he did, um, and coming into this. You would kind well. I guess you don't necessarily need that information, but it does help. That being said, I don't know. I mean, I really don't have that mean that much. That much, like 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 Agent Seventy wants to partially that I'm trying to defend it. I'm not because I'm like it is what it is. Um, it, I found it not surprising the way that it happened in a way. Because you knew it was going to get from one place to the other, having come off of that, uh, that last miniseries. Um, maybe we'll find out the way that he will have be, uh, been deemed worthy in some roundabout way, you know, because of because of um, how he got it. I don't see that happening plainly. Um, and the only the other thing I can say is like, well, okay, I see the way they explained it makes doesn't make the clearest of sense unless you knew about the stuff going into it and that's the old character the what the old character's legacy what you know how he got to that point and the bridging basically of his old story and this story now um could be cobbled together in something that makes some sort of sense. Like I said, it's, it's still kind of weird to me also, because it was like, yeah, like it just ever said, we knew this character was going to be the one 
you know, we, we, we didn't know the where's and the how's up until a certain point, but that was that. Um, so I don't know. I, I really don't have any, I'm just going to wait it out and see. I'll, I'll give us a couple of other, uh, issues. I may even give it the whole arc just to see if they try to go somewhere with it. Cause basically the only thing I'm seeing so far is like, okay, they took this established character that they, that they newly established. They did something with him to get him to this point, And then they started to just bridge the two, the, the two, um, the two quest stories, whatever the case may be to for what reason coming down the line we don't know because we don't know how long he's going to keep the iron fist uh the powers if he is going to uh because if this other thing ends up happening uh if this other part of this thing ends up happening he could end up losing the power and going back to his old thing we don't know he could end up we don't we don't really know because realistically the the, um it should have stayed with pay. It should have. It should have gone to and stayed with pay. Which that's an interesting point. So, and I don't understand why they didn't just go that route as opposed to doing this here. That was the thing, thing that kind of had gotten me stuck on for during this whole thing. I'm like this whole new person, as opposed to this person who had already been established as an Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. You know, who they could have kept developing. And that's really, that's really, that's really uh, a key point. And that's really where I'm coming from on this is that why on earth would they use this character to do this? Why would they do this? You know, it makes no sense, at least to me, you know, and I understand there's some sense to it. You know, it's like reinvigorating a character that had kind of hit a dead end. You know, it just wasn't selling the Swordmaster character, but they wanted to keep Lin Lee viable somehow. So it's just all very confusing to me. And I don't really get why they picked this character because you can see the, 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 the trappings of a supporting cast that they're trying to uh, establish here. There's a, a, a female possible love interest that is developing here. That is a resident of Kun Lun. And, you know, as Roddy Cat was quick to mention, and I'm glad that he brought it up because I was hesitant to bring it up because I, re- if I recall correctly, they did the same thing to Danny that they did to Pay, though she had to give it up also. So they they did a clean sweep, you know, uh, uh, under Larry Hama's uh, 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 script. Um, I don't know if this is an editorial thing or not. You know, to basically wipe the decks clean of anybody in the present timeline who would be wielding the Iron Fist. Oh, oh, and going back to what you, something you said earlier, um, I can safely say that as of the last, that last, um, I don't know if you remember or not, but most, well, some of the characters from Immortal uh, Iron Fist are definitely still around. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Pat Cobra's still around. I don't know if that uh, Dog Brother was... I, I'm assuming that that's also a character that was uh, in that book, but he's still around. Right. Sparrow. Was Sparrow in that book? Also? No, Sparrow's in this book. I know. What I'm saying, but was she in that... Was she wasn't in that book, though? So she is... I think so. Right. I think so. But I want to say that Fat Cobra has also showed up in other you know, in other books because he's just such a, a great... Uh, he has a great name and a great characterization that's been developed by other writers. So... Yeah, because he... Ages of Wakanda, yeah. Right, and 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 uh, you know he was, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I want to say he was on the Secret Avengers as well, but definitely Agents of Wakanda. So we've seen him there. Um, 
but 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 bottom line here is, you know, I'm not a fan of this character twist. I'm not a fan of what you know. I think that if they were going to take the Iron Fist off of Danny, you know, Pay was right there to to right. to be the new Iron Fist or be trained as a as a as a young Avenger Iron Fist, you know, rather than this moron. You know, and I say moron with every bit of venom that might be dripping off my tongue at this point, because you know this kid is annoying, um, and, and I understand that they want to, you know, uh, diversify um, uh, the characterizations of these characters. They want to make them redeemable. They want to give them a story arc, but you know this kid's just a little too annoying, right? Yeah, in at in least this moment. is all. This is my opinion, you know. And if you want to take shots, it's at Agent Underscore Seventy on Twitter. I mean, you know, if it, in his in his former uh, characterization, now uh, he was he's still much pretty much the same character he was then, just as hot headed and and you know, quick tempered as he was then. right and so, untrained right and untrained in martial arts because he couldn't yeah. we- properly wield his sword. And Shang Chi tried to uh, teach him. To some extent, but he ne- but they never really let that develop because his book didn't sell. Right. So, bottom line is, you know, this character never did all that much in Agents of Atlas. You know, never did much of anything else, and now they're trying to reinvigorate him, and that's to me what is that to me is what annoys me the most about this character. You know, a quick death to this character. Well, yeah. So they basically, quote unquote, killed him, gave him a few months or however long in Kunlun and said, hey, he's got some training under his belt now. So now that this could be viable for him also, you know, and kind yeah, of it's, it's just from- annoying. It's it, it frustrates me to no end. It's yeah, just like it's it's, already, it's annoying. It's already well established. It's and, annoying. And you, you, you know, know. I don't- like seriously, Alyssa Wong, you couldn't do better than this with this character. You know, or we I, couldn't we couldn't do a pay story. I'm I'm kind of wondering if she had anything to do with that part. Like that could have been editorial. That's like, what I mean. Hey. That's what I mean. I think that I think this was I think this came from up top, and you know I don't you know uh, uh, I don't appreciate that because you know th- this is this them bowing to the idea of making Iron Fist Asian just because there have been previous Iron Fist that are Asian. You know, just make it organic. This is not. This is the, the the very opposite of it being organic, right? And it was way more orga- organic with pay. So, anyway, that's pretty much all I got to say about Iron Fist. Yeah, seriously, shots fired. I mean, outside, of this, outside of that, like I was about to say, I literally let off like a predator burst of fire at this book. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, um, eight to seventy was none too pleased when uh, b- before the um, before the show about this. Uh, so, and you got to heard pretty much most of that. So, um, outside of that, like, yeah, I am still slightly intrigued about. I guess that last panel. That's about the only thing. The other, other, only other thing that's kind of keeping me curious about this. Like, is he actually going to? Because he does meet up with Danny in the in the course of this issue. You know, for for what it's worth. So, whether that's going to be a continual thing, or you know, the, that was supposed to be their their passing of it, which I doubt seriously that's going to be in the end of it. But you know, and then there's other stuff that they're kind of uh, um, putting on this. 
has kind of got me slightly curious as, as about where this is going and how it's going to end up and how long this character is going to be in the way it uh, is. Like, how long he's going to have the Iron Fist? You don't know. So, um, but, you know, we, we may or may not keep a peeper on it. We'll see. Moving right along, though. Uh, let us Watch go next. to... Let's go to Fantastic Four as a pick-me-up. <laughs> Fantastic Four number 40 is written by Dan Slott. Ironically, it, the art is by Rachel Stott. Not Slot, Stott. I actually paused on that when I was writing out my notes. <laughs> Colors are by Jesus Abertov, and letters are by VC's Joe Caramagna, our favorite Python, our favorite lettering Python. So before I let Roddy Cat uh, start the review on this, I wanted to mention that I bumped on the art because it it seemed different to me, and mm. you know the name of the artist. You know, the, the credits in this book, if I'm not mistaken, are right up front, but I, I absolutely passed over them, not really recognizing that the art was going to be pretty different from what we've been used to on uh, the FF because, uh, you know, we've gotten very spoiled by some of the art teams that have been working with uh, Slot on this. And I feel like Stott's art... Kinda, especially after that opening sequence with, um, uh, with uh, the 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 silent watcher and uh, one of the big baddies, and we get into you know kind of catching up with the the heroes. There was just something slightly just off to me about the art. I don't know what it was. It's solid. There's nothing technically wrong with it. It just didn't strike me. It didn't, it, you know, there, there was just something uh, making my spider sense tingle. But, you know, I got through the issue. You know, it's not like it stopped me from reading it, you know. Right. And, uh, and, 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 you know, the, the, the story by, by Slot is killer in this issue, to be honest. So, um, but I just wanted to mention this before Roddy Cat went into the, the story because um, I bumped, I bumped on some of the art. So the funny part about that, I slightly did also, but it wasn't yet at that part. It was at the part of uh, facial hairless uh, Reed Richards. That was the part that kind of got me. Mm. Outside of the fact that no facial hair Reed Richards, because we haven't seen bare-faced uh, Reed in a good minute. Right. Um, and if you're watching the video version of this, you can see the cover and you can see a, I guess, a more classic look of, of uh, for, for Reed, which they've for whatever, I, for for reasons that I, it took me a second to get to, um, uh, which you know I, I'm sure there's another reason why that happened. You know, the, got to get back to the point. Um, yeah, when when Reed shaved off his his, his facial hair, and, and that art was like that doesn't even look like him anymore. And it wasn't just because of the facial hair coming off; it was just like the art made him look, you know, kind of weirder looking than. Like he was like he was pretty much stretching his face or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was kind of weird, and that's kind of where I bumped on it. Outside of that, like like you just said, yes, the art was definitely solid. Um, not to take out of the, not to take away, taking out of the reading of it, definitely not, but definitely worth kind of pausing for a second. Um, that being said, though, the story, yeah, we get some, we pretty much get um, 
a putting in a place of of uh, pieces, let's just say. So after the events of uh, last issue, we you know uh, Fantastic Four kind of left the battle. At, well, excuse me, at not even last issue, the Alpha issue of uh, Reckoning War. Uh, the Fantastic FF left the battle because big bigger brain read with the power of the Watcher uh, knowledge um, had got some things uh, some 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 things out. So now this is him kind of putting some stuff in places. He put some battle plans into place, um, giving some battle notes uh, to people who are still fighting. I found that one part with Moon Knight kind of funny. I don't know if you caught that. Uh, oh, that of course. Movie. Yeah, that part was good. Kind of, you know, it was like, uh, without going into what happened. Sure, I wasn't sure that was going to work either. Yeah. Well, yeah, that too. I was like, um, okay. And they even said it right after that. I'm like, yeah, you just took advantage of a <laughs> of a mentally unstable man. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. Uh, but regardless, like I said, this was Sue. Uh, excuse me, this was Reed kind of putting some pieces in there, and the family's worried about him because of this new power. And now, at the end of this issue, we kind of have a reason to be worried about him more so than we did going into this because we know Reed to be a calculating cert even before he got this new uh, this new uh, bit of knowledge. Uh, but the rest of the issue kind of goes into like the read kind of putting things into place. And, um, I guess most of not all of it working out the way he thought it was going to, because, you know, we see people going off and we see people coming into the fold and we see, um, I guess other, um, one shots that are going to come into play that, that are kind of being, uh, um, stoked here. Uh, and they even brought up original sin, which I was like, I kind of bumped that part. I kind of bumped on because of it's original sin. I was like, no one should ever, ever, ever speak of original sin ever again. Oh well, well they bring. Well, the thing is, original sin, especially because it was at least Uatu Watcher centric for a little bit. You know that that can't be helped in this story because it does, in fact, revolve around. Uh, a small retcon that Dan Slott used, well, a small bit of continuity that Dan Slott used to retcon a little bit more into the story and and, and expand on it so that uh, we, we, you know, we could get this Reckoning War stuff that he's been developing for 20 or 30 plus years. So at the end of the day, you can't avoid at least a reference to some of that original Sin stuff. And in this case, it was actually going back to the Watchers as, as a race whole, their definite original sin, because it's like this is the one that made them uh, take the vow that they ended up taking. Right. Oh, so in that respect, like that, that was just me saying a thing about the, the event, but like this was a, a, a very definite and very, I guess, literal uh, for them original sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that being said, though, I like some of the little uh, touches that, that that came up in this book. Apparently, the Ark of the Covenant and their therefore Indiana Jones is canon in the MU. So right. That. Well, um, you know, the Ark of the Covenant is is, is 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 something that obviously exists outside of Indiana Jones as well. But I think we can uh, we can imply. I think it's implied that uh, Indiana Jones may very well be. Uh, uh, canon here in the MCU in the in the MU that is as well. Yes. I wanted to mention a, a few things. One um 
it's interesting, and I'm not nearly as familiar with Jack of Hearts' relationship with She-Hulk. Mm. Uh, so it's interesting to see them interacting. I understand that they had some level of interaction, you know, where he was basically drawing off her gamma radiation at, at one point. Uh, that's thanks to a little bit of Google research, but it's interesting to see the two of them paired off here in this, um, you know, in this little, uh, event, mini event, you know, or mini, or like story arc. Right. So I believe, well, there's two things on that one. Cause I believe that goes back to right before disassembled when he died. And I believe that's when they might've had a, um, had a had a thing going on. I can't remember. I, I know. I was reading the book at that point, and I don't remember. Right. I, I, yeah. Exactly. So I, I want to say it was might have been around that time, but the fact that they rekindled so fast. Now, granted, we will probably see more of that in the She-Hulk miniseries mm-hmm. because we know he's there also. So I guess this is pretty much taking place after after or during that. So because yeah, because I I, I kind of. That part kind of bumped on. They were like, "Wait, they kind of rekindled real fast." Mm-hmm. But then again, that once you remember the fact that well, the Shield miniseries is going on, if you're actually reading it and knowing, knowing that they actually had history before that, that kind of makes some sort of sense. More sense than you would if you're just coming to the book, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, "Oh, wait, what? How? When did? Who is this? And why is this happening?" You know, type of situation. Right. So. I don't know. It, it, it was still kind of weird, even having that knowledge. But it is what it is. There was a little OG Guardians a love in the in the uh, midst of the book also, because apparently Fan Astro just popped out of nowhere. Well, I mean, he was in Alpha also, but popped out of nowhere, and you know they kind of acknowledged that a whole uh, his relationship with the Badoon in the future, and and with Cap Shield, which which kind of goes goes to uh, the OG Guardians. So needless to say, I kind of had fun fun with that part. But I was like that. Just to wrap it all up, though, this was a a fun issue. This was a good issue. I no, it was good. This. It was good. I I really enjoyed this. This was a very solid read. I also wanted to mention, and no pun intended with that, uh, but I also wanted to mention, at least on my end, I kind of enjoyed reading OG Nick Fury again. Yeah, it was there was just something kind of refreshing or just kind of nostalgic about it. You know, we could talk about how uh, this year's uh, Super Bowl halftime show and all the commercials were, like, filled with nostalgia. But it was kind of interesting that just a, a, a drop of nostalgia with, one, the FF costumes that are uh, – and the look that Reed adopts as a result of um, – as a result of uh, uh, gaining maybe not omniscience but close to it and – um, you know, dealing with uh, OG Nick Fury as opposed to uh, Sam Jackson, younger Nick Fury, um, mm. in the in the Marvel universe, there was just something kind of fun about it. I don't know what it was because it was great that you know everyone kind of had to bring him up to speed, mm-hmm. even though he he did have the power of the Watcher. You know, they had to bring him up to speed, and he had to bring them up to speed on what he'd been doing, space stuff, right. <laughs> right. So, okay. So, actually, and on that note, because Alicia, you know, that one part in the beginning where Alicia and Nick was like, wait, you're Nick, you know, Nick Sr. So, and which had me thinking, like, wait, so when did you meet Junior? Because you could, I was, uh oh, oh, okay. what happened there? Um, nothing. Just, I, that was a message I thought was, a, was an issue. Wasn't. Um, anyway, um, 
like obviously throughout the years dealing with the FF, of course she was going to meet Nick Fury Senior at some point. And uh, and but that whole interaction was like, wait, wait, when did you meet Junior? He's been around a long time in the Marvel Universe now, though. True, but I'm just, yeah, I know, but I'm sitting there like that seems like when did you meet Alicia or something? I mean, I'm pretty sure there probably is a story somewhere where they probably met, or just once again by proxy of the the FF, you know, it, it was probably the reason. And actually, made me think it was like, wait, Senior should know about Junior. I wonder if they're gonna if they're going to have a meeting at some point. Oh, now that he's kind of uh, in the story, I mean, it depends on you know. There, there's there's definitely some foreboding, uh, foreshadowing here. True. So we don't know if Nick Senior makes it out of the Reckoning War, but at the end of the day, you know, if they do, I really hope they don't. I, I really hope Slot keeps him around because I kind of find it fun. To have this old, you know, the, the the old crotchety Nick Fury around as a as a herald of the Watcher, no less. <laughs> right, but the, I mean, they should definitely take him out of that role, at least in my mind. Whether or not he would take on like a more senior role to Nick Fury Junior., I don't know. I just got a kick out of uh, him talking about you know his signature scent of old cigars. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh huh. Um, also, but so. Actually, that brings up another question, but that's kind of slide outside the point because Shield at this point in the MU is not necessarily around. Correct. You know, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Nick Fury Jr. is basically running uh, ops on his own with very right. little uh, outside support. Right. So there's no Shield to go back to at that point. Um, like you know, whether it be like, well, we got to get it back together again. We don't, you know, if they even bring him back down to that level, or mm-hmm. senior back down to that level, right? Um, so I don't know. That that just kind of a curious question. And yeah, I kind of had the same thought. Like, yeah, w- whether they would like have senior and junior together and them running ops together or something. Who even knows? But we'll see. We still got a little bit to go on this one. But like I said, potential click of the week. Um, it's good stuff by Slot and, and crew. Um, oh, the one last thing. I don't know when uh, the the part where um, I don't know if you caught this, but when Jack of Hearts was asked a question by Reed, um, I thought about Hamilton, and I don't know if you if you did. I don't recall. So so Reed basically asked because because there's a lot. Of, I was about to say there's a lot of meta references in in this week's books. True. There's a lot of them, you know, specifically MCU stuff, but um, the uh, Hamilton reference, maybe indirect Hamilton reference. It's not. It's indirect. It's not. Cause so basically, Reed asked uh, Jack of Hearts to become one of the FF, and and Jack was like, "How could I say no to that?" Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't see that as a Hamilton reference, but yeah, yeah I definitely saw that as like kind of like, well, but that's yeah, what I went to. Yeah. But. I get it. I get it. I get it. You know, the last the, the, the last thing I'd mention is we get, you know, I, I honestly thought that, that Reed was manipulating Johnny in his current form to do what he did. It turns out he wasn't, but uh, he knew that it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 it's sort of an indirect manipulation. Because in right. my mind, I thought he was goading him to be like, hey, I need you to go do this. <laughs> I thought that too it, so, but the, yeah, I was like, okay, Reed is smart, but I was like, I don't know if he was, and he, said, he even said it was predictable, but it's like, yeah, I don't know if he even planned, fully planned for that. 
So, oh, we uh, apologize for that weird sound in the background, folks. We're still not sure what that might be. Exactly. It's, it's, it's uh, not sure what that is if you heard it. If you didn't hear it, then disregard it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, but like I said, pieces are going into place. We got the, the next issue coming and uh, whatever other uh, tie-ins that, that are coming forth. Which I don't think we got a reading uh, order for this that I recall. Or we had one at one point, but I don't know. If, uh, there might be one in the Omega issue. I mean, not the Omega, the Alpha issue. Oh, yeah. you, brought, you brought There might be one in the Alpha issue. But, yeah. Um, yeah, but bottom line here is, you know, this is actually a pretty interesting read. I know that slot catches a lot of internet flack, but it's not, it's definitely not deserved here. You know, right. this is some really fresh, even though it's, it's you know, it's it's literally almost data mined out of the, 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 the annals of uh, Marvel lore. But that's generally where a lot of these stories come from. Right. Yeah, you can't say that slot don't have reverence for 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 for, for things. Right. So, especially everything he's put in his book in this in this in this uh, volume. So. Uh, but uh, next up, I uh, want to do one more before we hit uh, hit wrap it. Sure. I guess we'll go ahead and do um. We'll do one topic. Now we hit amazing. Yeah, amazing Spider Man eighty nine. All righty. Amazing Spider-Man 89. It's written by Patrick Gleason with pencils by Mark Bagley and inks by Andrew Hennessy and John Dell. Colors are by Brian Valenza and letters are by our favorite lettering Paisan VCs, Joe Caramagna. Take it away, Roddy Cat. Yeah. So, okay. So basically, um, I'm hoping we're starting to get back to well, we, I guess we are nearing the end of this whole thing fairly soon. Like, it's supposed to end next month. Of, yeah, so Peter's pretty much still doing uh, his PT to to get back into shape. We start off with seeing that um, we still have Goblin Queen running loose after the events of uh, um, uh, uh, the last issue where where Ben left her stranded. So we come to, uh, uh, Black Cat kind of goes in, in Peter's place after what I felt was a Spider-Verse, uh, almost like a Spider-Verse type situation happening uh, into the Spider-Verse, the, the movie, not um, not the, the comic event. Because uh, uh, Black Cat and uh, Peter are watching the news and Peter's like, I got to get back out there. And, and Black Cat was like, well, if you can get out of this, you can come, <laughs> come find me. Oh, I see. Kind of, yeah, but it's kind of a similar thing that uh, uh, you know that that happened to Miles, uh, which actually apparently he ends up uh, getting out of. But so um, we find out a little bit more about the Goblin King Queen, who apparently is part Ghost Rider. Now, um, yeah, that was weird because that's yeah. not something that we uh, that that we recognize as as being part of the goblin lore and the goblin lore has definitely contained some weird things like carnage. And I think that, I think carnage is, is, is part of this kind of mixture that, uh, uh, that the goblin queen has been exposed to. But then again, this is also a, a, a product of the beyond corporation and they have extra dimensional, uh, resources. So it's hard to it's hard to figure out it's hard to peg where this is coming from. That definitely I bumped on that very hard. I was like, "What is this?" And the other thing, apologize for it again. 
that was weird. Um, anyway, um, another thing was there was also a reference to there almost was a reference to another event in Spider-Man's life, which I thought when that happened, like no one's neck got broken. Oh, right. I saw that. I saw that. I definitely saw that. I was like, oh, so he figured out how to do it and he remembers how to do it even in his weakened state. Okay. Right. Exactly. So I'm like, huh. All right. And I just watched uh, Spider-Man, uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2 recently, so that kind of hit hitting a couple of levels for me. Gotcha, um, gotcha, 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 gotcha. And of course, we got a, a familiar slogan or two, uh, or so in um, uh, near the end. Mm-hmm. And and this is one of those. And 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 towards the end of this issue, we also have um, one of those. Uh, uh, metatextual references that I was talking about earlier, specifically from the MCU, but definitely told in a different context and with the words kind of switched around. So I got a kick out of that. I actually thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did too. I was like, huh, all right, I see what you did there. <laughs> that was pretty good. Um, but then uh, we get to see at the end, so, um, I guess, to bringing about another part of the story that we haven't seen this this uh, issue being with a couple of, with a, another supporting um, cast member that uh, ended up being um, an unknowing, uh, at least unknowing to most of the other people in this, uh, who's a part of the story, uh, help to Peter. Uh, and come bearing news, I guess, something like that, or needing help at the end of this. So I guess we'll see uh, what happens with that uh, in the going issues. Yeah, because, because you know, because there are, the, you know, we have to remember, you know, despite the fact that uh, Roddy Cat did not believe me when I said that they would be stringing us along by keeping us uh, involved in Peter's storyline while Ben wore the webs, at least for a little while, uh, we, we are still following kind of a parallel story uh, track. You know, we have Peter's story and we have Ben Riley's story. And so Ben Riley's story, again, is intersecting with Peter's story here near the end of this Beyond story arc. Mm-hmm. You know, we're still, we're still only midway through February. You know, even though February is the shortest month, we're still only midway through February and – uh, we're going to be going into March with this Beyond storyline, so we'll see how this uh, eventually wraps up. Yep. That being the case, we can go on to um, Rapid Fire. All right, I'll spin this up. I ain't got time to bleed. All right, so first up, surprisingly, both Roddy Cat and I read G.I. Joe Real American Hero Saturday Morning Adventures number one. This is published by IDW. It's written by Eric Burnham with art by Dan Sh- uh, Sh- uh, Skaning. Shoning? I think, but Shaning? Sure. I think it might be Shaning, actually. You might be right. Yeah. Uh, colors are by Luis Antonio Delgado. Not to be. Use with shipwreck. Ah, and letters are by Neil Uyetake. Uh, this was a surprising pick for a re- for even a read for me this week because I did not, unlike Roddy Cat, I did not expect to see what I got in this book, which is a very much animated GI Joe animated series take on 
uh, the characters and on the story. It is very much written like an episode of the animated series. And I could not wipe the stupid grin that I can imagine was on my face when I was reading this. I don't know about you, Radicat. Oh, no, I agree. Um, this was without a, well, not even without a doubt. This was definitely, which you can kind of say that about, uh, some of the, some of the, some of the stuff, um, like with GI Joe, cause this Eric Burnham, I believe does write Transformers also, um, or has written some Transformers, a lot of Transformers and whatnot. There's, there's definitely a, um, you know, reference is probably too strong a word, but they, they definitely a knowing, uh, uh, um, they definitely know the source material relatively well, especially in this case. Uh, and this is pretty much an, um, a later season Cobra ass plot if I ever seen one. Oh yes. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, given that the the uh, the battle, uh, the bat, uh, android robot troopers are there. The trooper, yeah. Right. That's not an early season GI Joe thing. That's a later season GI Joe thing. But that's what I meant later. Excuse me, because I said it in my notes is later. Yeah. Right. Right. No, I mean no, but no, I mean, but you said it. I, I'm not correcting you here. You know, but that is definitely, and especially with some of the GI Joe characters that are featured in here, like Sci-Fi and Mainframe, and Alpine. You know, these are not the original run of GI Joe. This is one of the later. Uh, seasons, you know, one of the later releases of action figures. So we're definitely getting that. But honestly, I'm flipping through our review copy now, and I can't, I I can only imagine the smile that was pasted on my face while I was reading this. And then we even get a more you know, you know, uh, uh, you know, the more you know thing. They couldn't call it the more you know. They call it something to know. Oh, you know what it is. And knowing is half the battle. <laughs> so we get a little bit of that at the end of the issue. And uh, this retro computer being on the internet even made me smile. Yeah. I was like, okay, that was a pretty pretty much a PSA for, for a uh, a current day. But uh, they did it in the old style. And I, yeah, I couldn't help but smile at that a whole lot. Uh, it's worth noting that this is uh, issue one of four. Um, wait, is it three? yeah, it is four. Um, four issues. So I am looking forward to the next one uh, for certain. Now, I guess we we both kind of bumped on the fact that it, it was um, subtitled Saturday Morning Adventures because uh, for either one of us, GI Joe did not come on. He'll come on a Saturday morning. If it did come on a Saturday morning for you, let us know because I don't recall. I don't. I don't. I've never recalled any even knowing anyone right. for which uh, Joe came on Saturday morning right. for. I distinctly remember it being an afternoon show, but I think there there were times that it was also a morning show. So I can't recall exactly when it played here in the New York City metro area. But regardless, if you are a fan of uh, the, the animated JoJo the animated series, I think this would be something you might want to pick up. Definitely. All right. Next up is Hulk number four, and I think Roddy Cat read this also. It's written by Donny Cates with pencils by Ryan Otley, inks by Cliff Rathburn, colors by Frank Martin, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So uh, this was. 
uh, definitely an interesting turn of events because we find out that the uh, alternate reality that uh, Bruce Banner and the Hulk, the Hulk's uh, uh, space vehicle, basically, have uh, have been drawn into has a very different, uh, de- you know, I mean, we, we, we found this out in previous issues, but it's interesting to see the... Uh, to see the the interactions play out in this in this issue and to see this version of Bruce Banner come across a very different reality in which uh things played out much differently as a, as the result of a successful gamma bomb test. Yeah, a very successful gamma bomb uh, gamma bomb test uh much to the chagrin Exactly, exactly. So, you know, you know, we're, we're left with this, uh, you know, some some a little bit of world building here trying to establish what is uh, what is and what is not in effect here in this particular reality. And at the end of the issue, we're left with a pretty interesting change in a particular character that we are all familiar with in this reality, at least. Right, which I feel like there was a what if or something that might have gone down a similar road. Um, I feel like, and I'm, I'm I can't really place it, but it was like because even when it got brought up earlier in the issue, it was like, well, where is this character? Uh, it wasn't really answered. I was like, huh, um, because we, as I just said, we get a little bit of world building here, um, and then we find out at least what happened to one particular character, right, uh, and. Right, and we also get some. Oh, go ahead. No, I was about to say. As, as, um, I feel like that that kind of came up somewhere else, and I can't re- can't remember where else. But um, I, I, it was kind of interesting that they brought that up in, in this in this way. Right, and it was also interesting to see uh, more metatextual MCU references here, because mm-hmm. uh, the final sequence is definitely a callback to some MCU Hulk stuff. All right, next up for me is Nightwing number 89. This is, of course, a DC book. It's written by Tom Taylor with art by Bruno Redondo, colors by Adriano Lucas, and letters by Wes Abbott. So this is the first of a two-part crossover with uh, Superman's son of Kal-El, wherein uh, the... Basic, basically, the sons of the world's finest heroes, being Superman and Batman, have to uh, team up and work a case together. We have a little bit of a flashback during this issue of uh, pre Bendis, when John Kent was still very young. So, and and that was a pretty fun uh, interlude, and it made me kind of miss uh, that version of Jonathan Kent. Uh, prior to Bendis aging him up so that they could do the stories that they're doing now. Did you read this? I think you said you read it. Yeah, I did read this because um, I was kind of curious about this uh, team. Of, I I do even like this titled uh, World's Finest Sons because, yeah, you know, I'll play on that, mm-hmm. uh, that old thing. And it is kind of funny to me as I was reading, I was like, boy, uh Dick kind of got saddled with watching uh, um, <laughs> two two major figure sons in a in a way. Oh yeah. Well, as the as, as the one who is who survived the most mistakes, which Batman readily 
admits to in this issue. I think it's 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 a pretty funny take that uh, you know, but but canonically he's the older one, so you know, and the the more successful one at kind of growing up of all of what's that? He's probably the most stable one, almost exactly. Exactly. So, you know, it, it makes sense that he would be the one that all the other ones, all the younger ones would look up to, mm-hmm. you know, you know, shout out to his time as the leader of the new Teen Titans. Right. So next up is Thor number 22. It's written by Donny Cates with art by Nick Klein, colors by Matt Wilson and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. So if you are not up on this, I know Roddy Cat is not up on this. He has not been reading the Kate's Thor. I think he read some of it. Correct me if I'm uh, mistaken. None of it. None of it. So you are missing out, Roddy Cat, on some really great stuff. There is in this issue uh, some great callbacks to other uh, genre things, specifically, at least in my eyes, in my mind when I read it. There is some distinct callbacks to Lord of the Rings, uh, Return of the King, and specifically uh, the, the the speech that uh, Theoden King gives to the writers of Rohan before they charge. But in in place of Theoden King, we have Beta Ray Bill, and it is awesome to behold. Like, I'm not spoiling anything here where, uh, you know, where, where part of his speech is, you know, just super reminiscent of that, you know, uh, uh, if you, if you recall, he basically ends, he he basically ends his pep speech with death, (laughs) And uh, it's not, you know, while Bill doesn't exactly quote it here, it's so reminiscent of it. Nice. Um, You know, we're almost there. This is part four of five of this story arc uh, titled God of Hammers. And we're starting to get some clarification. We're leading towards some resolution of what has been developing over the course of the 22 issues that uh, that Kate has developed with regards to Thor and the relationship he has with his hammer and what is inside his hammer. So I think that this has been a pretty strong run on Thor. I know that Roddy Cat has not been keeping up with it, but I would say that it's worth keeping up with. Next up is 10 Lives of Wolverine number three, written by Benjamin Percy, with art by Joshua Kassara, colors by Frank Martin, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So this is the third issue of this uh, uh of this wing of the uh 10 X, uh, of the X blank of Wolverine this uh over this next month and change, where we're getting uh the two halves of the story being told of uh, what's going on with the quest to preserve Professor X in the timeline as Omega Red has been sent backwards into the timeline. And we find out in this issue specifically how that was perpetrated by Omega Red and a character who has uh, been highlighted and spotlighted 
in recent issues of X-Men and X-Force as being a very deadly nemesis of the X-Men. And I think I would be spoiling a little too much by going into what's revealed in this issue. But bottom line is we get a lot of explanation here as we hit the turning point, I think, of this uh, little event series. You know, we're basically halfway through, more than halfway through, I think, um, or I think at the halfway point, because I think this is like the two, think of it as if it's 10, 10, 10 issues total, this being the third issue of one half. So we're like two and a half, three, you know, um, so it's like, think of it as like being just about halfway through the 10 issues. Last but not least is X-Men number eight. Oh, did I give the, uh, the credits for, uh, 10 lives? Uh, no, I don't think you did. All right. So it's written by Benjamin Percy with art by Joshua Cassara, colors by Frank Martin and letters by VCs, Corey Pettit. I apologize if I'm repeating myself. I wanted to get into, uh, and, and try not to spoil what was revealed in this issue in, uh, 10 lives of Wolverine number three. Last but not least is X-Men number eight. It's written by Jerry Duggan with art by Javier Pina, colors by Marte Gracia, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. I think Roddy Cat read this. Yep. So I have to give Jerry Duggan some credit here. This issue picks up very many, several dangling plot threads that have been going on through the opening eight issues of this run of X-Men and follows up on some continues some and even picks up on where was that children of the vulture? Was that the beginning of this run or was that the end of the previous run? I think it was at the end of the previous run. Right. So basically uh, I, I have to give Doug and credit for continuing to uh, pick up those plot threads and try to finish them off and I thought this was a very effective issue at doing that. It is told using the framework of <laughs> Modoc and AIM and all the good and mostly bad things surrounding cruise ships, especially given the role that cruise ships played, have played during the current COVID pandemic. I thought that was pretty interesting. You know, some definite shots fired at cruise ships, but also some accolades thrown their way. So, uh, the last thing I'll leave this, I'll, I'll leave uh, our listeners with and viewers with before I hand it off to Roddy Cat is I felt, and I think Roddy Cat has not watched the Modoc series on Hulu. No. So. Uh, you know, and he was quick to remind me that there was a companion comic book to that, but I felt like, you know, obviously the, 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 the series was the main source of that particular depiction of MODOK. And I felt like this issue of X-Men did its level best to incorporate much of what we saw in the, um, the, the, basically the animated slash claymation series of Modoc that was on Hulu into the Marvel universe proper aspects of that show of that series, I think were brought into the X-Men 
and therefore the mainstream Marvel Universe in this issue. So I think that it's interesting that they would take this route and uh, and and eventually leave the door open for the exploration of that kind of what was seemingly non-canon Modoc story and bringing elements of that into the Marvel Universe. So, well, sorry about that. Um, so, so things. I the the book, the companion book, was also about the same showrunners of the of the um, of that series of the Hulu series. So the DNA was still there, and I want to say that aspect of Modoc's life has been done elsewhere, either if not since then, but like right before or around then also. Because I feel like this is not the first time I've. This is not the most recent time that I've seen this aspect of, of Modoc's um, uh, history being done. Well, not history, but something that that aligns with that show and what was uh, brought up here, put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do love, I do like the, the resolution uh, with um, uh, uh, the, what they went through with this because it's like, yeah, this could have gone away, but also it's Modoc. Like this is only going to go one way or the other, but and as you said, yeah, the um, the whole cruise ship being a petri dish thing was yeah, it's more spot on. Not that I've ever been on a cruise ship, but it's probably more spot on than I wonder if they even realize. They probably do. Obviously, you know, Jerry Duggan probably absolutely does recognizes that for for what it was. So I found that um, I forgot to kick out of that. In itself, but yeah, it was a good read, and yeah, I do like the fact that they um they brought some some points together. Also, it is kind of funny to me, and I don't know if you picked up on this or even you if you know about it. But I was like, as soon as I um, read the first couple of pages, I was like, okay, so it's Modoc, Modoc and a Kingsman plot, like the movie Kingsman. I don't remember that movie that well, so yeah. I didn't pick up on that right away. There, the, yeah, the basically the the stuff that was going on in the cruise ship scene. Uh, Uh-oh. Before it was a movie, but still, I, I, I have not read the books, but I have seen the movies. Gotcha. Roddy Cat just froze okay. just for a short, brief second. The what? I said you froze just for a brief second. I wasn't sure. I'm not sure oh. if it was on my end or yours, so uh, there might be a pause in my recording. That's fine. Not a problem. Uh, but yeah, that, that was pretty much the thing I, I kind of was uh, amused about. And also, glorious purpose. Got to got to remember that. I did That's notice that. That was a that was another MCU reference. Mm-hmm. Also, oh yeah, at the end, uh, though I guess for me it's a, a MCU reference, but I know this character has been around. I have not seen him in an X book though. The the um the the character that comes in at or not comes in at the end that is referenced at the end that is uh, around the treehouse. That just so happens to be around the treehouse that we that some might know from the Deadpool movies. Mm-hmm. More from the Deadpool movies than anything in the comics. Exactly. So I was like, "Huh, that's weird that you would put that that character in here." <laughs> like, so I was like, "Where has that character even been?" So, oh yeah, good read. Is that it for you? That or? is it for me. Alrighty then. For myself, I only got a couple of books uh, left. Uh, Nubia and the Amazons, uh, number five, which is a uh, five of six. 
this is written by uh, Stephanie Williams and Vita Ayala. Script by Stephanie Williams. Pencils by Aletha w- uh, Martinez. Excuse me. Inks by Mark Morales. Colors by Robert Fajardo Jr. I apologize if I screwed up your name. Um, so basically, this issue does two things. It leads into the next issue, which is going to be a part of the Wonder Woman event, uh, Trial of the Amazons. Um, I'm not sure because I haven't been reading. I've been reading Wonder Girl, and I've read this, and I haven't been reading Wonder Wonder Woman. Uh, and uh, I don't know how this is all going to tie together, but they've uh, they've definitely said that in this book is like yeah the, the the next issue, which is going to be the last issue, is going to be a part of said event. Uh, that said, there are some things that get resolved, like there's uh, the whole issue with uh, Medusa. That uh, if you're watching the video, you can see the cover of it, and she's fighting Medusa. That gets uh, resolved. Uh, we we see uh, the use of uh, Nubia's new stab weapon, uh, which shares a little bit of um, DNA. Or not DNA. Shares a little bit of um, uh, with uh, Diana's lasso, but not so much the same. To to but to uh, you know make her just a a carbon copy of Wonder Woman. So there is that. Um, and uh, we pretty much go headlong into, uh, like I said, uh, going into what's going to be tied into the um, the the event that's coming on. Because at the end of this issue, uh, we get the reappearance of the former queen of uh, Demisera, uh, Hippolyta, uh, who is come seeking uh, Nubia, who is now the current queen. Uh, for reasons that we don't necessarily know, like I don't know if she's been in Wonder Woman doing doing stuff or whatnot. Because like I said, haven't been reading Wonder Woman. Um, but I am, but it does actually have me kind of curious about that whole event because it's supposed to be it's supposed to be one this big game changing thing. But I'm not sure how much Wonder Woman I'm supposed to have read to seem to be, you know, on that part. Like I said, Wonder Girl definitely has got a when it ended was leading into it. And I believe Wonder Girl is going to be start starting back up during the course of uh, that event, and a couple of issues of Wonder Woman, and like the the next issue of this. So we'll see how that turns out uh, as it comes through. Next book, uh, Time Before Time, number ten. This is a weird, interesting book. If you like time travel stuff, you might like this. Uh, I, I've talked about it before, but. It's, but I won't get too far into it. Uh, but it is written by Declan Shalvey and uh, Roy McInville. Uh, art by Joe Palmer, who I believe is leaving the book after the next issue. Uh, Chris O'Halloran is doing colors and letters by Hassan uh, Atsmane Alao. I'm hoping that's how you, your name is pronounced. And uh, time, sh- time travel shenanigans, because uh, there's different things going on in different time periods. Uh, the the book in itself pretty much revolves around this dude named um, um, I believe it's Tetsuo uh, who tried to escape the syndicate that he was working for because he was basically this uh, time travel shuttle shuttle power, uh, pilot working for this uh, syndicate who was taking people in back to the past for what seemed to be almost like witness protections type reasons, but not necessarily to that extent. 
um, for some strange reason, they have a service where they they're they're taking two people to the path, but they're putting up putting them up in places. Uh, for like I said, for reasons I'm still not entirely clear about, but they clearly they have some they're setting them in place for a reason that is supposed to set them up in the future. Uh, but it, the the story had gotten to the point to where uh, Tetsuo had met up with this other girl who was an FBI agent who was looking for a family, and in this issue, she's still looking for a family because they're kind of, they got to a place to where she thought they were, but they're not there, so sending her off another place, uh, to met up with this other dude that he helped out before, who's like, oh, well, why don't you use the time travel machines to, um, to change the future? And he's like, well, there's something like that. So this dude pretty much takes his um, his pod or attempts to take his pod and uh, try to do things that he said not to do. So there's a, there's a few different things going on in this book, but it's actually pretty good uh, if you get it, get uh, get in on it from the beginning. Like this, this is the 10th issue. It's a lot of um, uh, not necessarily twist and turn because there's actually a, a turn. Uh, at the end of this issue that I didn't see. Well, that, I guess if you've read the last few issues, you probably could have seen coming, but um, at some point. But um, how it's going to play out, we don't know. But it's been good so far, and I've been enjoying it. So you should definitely, if you're, like I said, if you could like a good time travel story, you might want to at least uh, peep this out a little bit. Last but not least, Transformers number 40. Uh, which is written by Brian Ruckley, art by Anna Malkova, colors by David Garcia Cruz, and letters by Jake M. Wood. Um, don't know if this is a factor or not in this, but we do know that IDW is losing the Transformers and G.I. Joe's license. Um, and it seems that they are making steps to move well, I, they're going to, I should say, because I'm pretty sure at this point they're still doing what they're, what they're going to do, but making steps to kind of um, get to a certain point, let's just say. Uh, in this issue, we have a big battle because there's this big bad that started this one big war a long time ago in the Transformers history that is now back to rekindle said war. Um, and now it's kind of all hands on deck. But before that, uh, the Autobots are pretty much... Be, beset by Decepticons um, uh, because they have unmasked and uh, the, 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 um, the poor Autobots are kind of making a last dish, dish effort to hold off until some help arrives, which luckily it, it appears at the end of this issue that does arrive, but may or may not be too late to help um, whatever is going on to get to the um, to this other part. Like I said, there's a couple of there's even I, there's a reference to this other miniseries that has to do with this uh, that big bad that I mentioned. Uh, they they seemingly kind of reference here, but I'm not sure because I don't think that uh, particular miniseries is out yet. Nevertheless, they're kind of getting to a place uh, in the Transformers history uh, to where we may or may not know. We're not sure, but I guess we'll see uh, by summer. Let's put it that way. And uh, that is the end of it for me. Clicks of the week. Clicks of the week. 
And we did get uh, a couple from our absent uh, hosts, co-hosts here. Let's see. So one of them was X-Men number eight from Tim. Yeah. And for Dirt, he said Amazing Spider-Man 89. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Right. Kind of surprised both of us on that one. There's Tim's. And here is Dirt's. Like, yeah. I mean, Amazing was actually decent this week. Um, I'm sure there's a there's a part of, uh, of that we're going to get sometime soon with the Garden playing or Queen or maybe not, but we'll see. Um, got yours? I'm still thinking, but I definitely can tell you what my candidates are. Uh, Fantastic Four number forty is one. I would also say that uh, Thor number twenty two is another. Uh, surprisingly, I really liked X-Men number eight as well, because I thought that some of those just, you know, outstanding, when I say outstanding, I mean like dangling plot lines were nicely tied up or at least advanced in this issue. I thought it was a really effective issue at doing that. Um, and also, you know, it seems like I'm listing a whole bunch of books, but I have a soft spot for that G.I. Joe Real American Hero Saturday Morning Adventures book because it was just really effective at bringing out a, that nostalgia, uh, that, that feeling of nostalgia and, and, and just I can only imagine the dumb grin on my face when I was reading it. So I have to give a shout out to that book. But I'm definitely, I think that the two big ones for me are FF number 40 and Thor number 22. So I'm, I'm going to need a minute to uh, kind of mull that over while you think about yours, unless you already have yours. I actually do already have mine. Um, and it is the aforementioned G.I. Joe Saturday, G.I. Joe Rule My Hero Saturday Morning Adventures. Nice. Definitely. Um, potential click was indeed fancy for because it was, it was pretty good. Um, and amazing was actually all right. And, uh, and X-Men, like you said, um, also have been enjoying Nubia, Nubia and the, uh, Amazons. Actually, well, that, that Nightwing book was actually pretty good too, but you know, but stronger for this week was definitely fantastic. Uh, G.I. Joe and probably that Nubia book. Yeah. Nightwing was good, but it's not, it was not as strong as FF or Thor this week. Um, it was- I th- I'm sorry? No, it was neat. It was definitely neat. Gotcha. I think I'm going to go with Thor number 22 because it was just that, you know, that, 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 you know, evoking, you know, the, 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 the charge of the Rohirrim was, was great to me. It was. And, you know, it, it, there's a lot of, you know, it's not just a SmackDown filled issue, but there's definitely a lot of action in it. So, um, you know, and some explanation as to how we've gotten to this point uh, through the first 22 issues of Kate's run on Thor. So, you know, I really I really liked it. I thought it was a really strong issue. So Thor number 22 is my click of the week. Well, all righty then. As you see it right there in the uh, video section, there it is. So now we are going to go on to the news section. But first, an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Blue Apron's meal delivery service. Blue Apron, fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store and make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron. Uh, Always ship free right to your home. 
And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. To place your first order with $30 off and to help keep our show free for you, that's free 99, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through cspn.us. Do it today. And now we get into the news. And start off with the cinematic news as we do uh, every time about this time. First up, um, I'm just going to put this out here right now because I didn't do it when... um, when Agent Seventy was talking about it previous, just a second ago, but not a lot. No, no. The Rings of Power first images reveal return to classic uh, Lord of the Rings location. So uh, the first images from Amazon's Lord of the Rings: The Rings of Power takes the viewers back to a classic location. As I said, one of the most anticipated. Uh, I don't know about that, but okay, sure. Television shows of the year is also one of the longest gestating, according to this article, and is the most expensive show of all time, also according to this article. Uh, it's been in development since 2017. Yada yada yada. 2022 is when it seems like it's going to premiere september to be specific and now we got some uh images from the show thanks to vanity fair and this article and if you're watching the uh video version you can see said images uh from the show uh at least a couple that that are um that are in this article so i know uh of seven is a big lord of the ring fan i am Definitely a fan of the movies. Uh, what you thinking? You're gonna watch this? Eventually, eventually. I mean, it, at the end of the day, it's definitely not what we're used to. And I'm not as big a fan as some are. And I'm not Stephen Colbert of all people, because he, you know, he that that's a real fan. That's a real Tolkien fan right there. You know, like I've never read the Silmarillion. Um, you know, I've read the Hobbit. I, I tolerated the Hobbit movies, but at the end of the day. Uh, you know, the Lord of the Rings is, is what, you know, kind of got me into that Tolkien universe, as it were. But, uh, you know, whether or not this is going to keep me uh, glued to my uh, my streaming set, or where, wherever I'm streaming it from, be it my laptop or, or a television, we'll see. We'll see. I know that some people took shots at what it looked like, you know, as a, as a result of the, uh, the, the – do we have an article in here about the trailer? Uh, no, we do not, actually. Okay. Well, I mean, the bottom line is I think they, they dropped a, a trailer for – was it during the Super Bowl? It was, yeah. Right. So, but, the, you know, it's it's all related to this article. So, and this news and this news item, that is, that the, the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power first uh, teaser images and, and trailer came out this past week. So – um, you know, bottom line is, you know, I know some people thought it was, it looked a little bit too budget compared to, you know, uh, Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings that can only, you know, it's, it's hard to match that. It's hard, hard to match that. That's all I have to say. Right. And now that I think about it, I think I pulled this article like well before, uh, last Sunday. So that's probably why I didn't forgot about the trailer. That's okay. All right. Next up. 
So, Star Wars Ahsoka series is getting a new filming window and a working title. Disney Plus's uh, upcoming Star Wars series uh, has some news. So, the Star Wars news site Bespin Bulletin, citing production weekly reports that filming on the Rosario Dawson lit series is now due to begin in April of this year. Although no firm end date for production has been confirmed, it could go on until quite late in the year. Like other Star Wars properties, Ahsoka has been given a working title, which is said to be Stormcrow. Okay. I'm like, is that a Lord of the Rings? Uh uh, uh reference or uh i'm not sure yeah i'm not entirely sure either i'm sitting here thinking of like what could be close to crows in the star wars universe outside of anything off of death uh death of mirror but even then would probably be a stretch but there you, you know, go if you're in the area where it's filming and you see that hey it says los angeles so i guess if you're in I'm pretty sure they're not going to be filming on the streets of LA. Probably not, but maybe, maybe on, maybe on a parking lot. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, they did, they did set up some stuff on a parking lot. They, where they set up desert stuff. Probably. That's probably the only time you'll see signs for it. Or they might be in a park where they're supposed to be in the woods or something. I don't know. Right. (laughs) Regardless, that's that. Um, Speaking of the Soka series, uh, Soka series sets up Thrawn. Well, reportedly, let me create that. But uh, sets up Thrawn as the villain, uh, and we Ray Stevenson joins the cast. So it seems uh, the Hollywood uh, reporter confirmed that uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn will be the central villain of the series, and it reveals that oh, that's where it's from Thor the Dark Thor, Thor the Dark World's Ray Stevenson is um, joining the cast. That um. Fafnir? Not Fafnir. Um, Volstag. Volstag. He played Volstag and the Punisher. Right. Oh, wow. He did play the Punisher. Oh, shoot. I forgot about that. I've never watched those movies. Anyway. I uh, think I've seen bits and pieces of the Ray Stevenson Punisher. mm -hmm. Uh, They tried. Or at least they tried to try. They definitely did try. (laughs) Uh, Those are the bad old days um, of um, (laughs) licensed movies. Uh, so yeah, Thrawn was expected to be a core focus of the series, given that Mandalorian season two revealed that Ahsoka was been hunting him. We we gotta go all of that. Um, Hollywood Reporter clarifies that Stevenson won't be playing Thrawn, but another villain with the rank of Admiral, apparently. So it's uh, according to the doctor, it's unclear whether Stevenson's role is an existing character, or brand new into the Star Wars uh, franchise. Uh, then it goes on to talk about Thrawn. So there's that. Next. Alrighty. So this is a rumor. I heard a rumor. An important character from the prequels may be joining the cast of Obi-Wan Kenobi. According to MakingStarWars.net, actor Jimmy Smits was seen on the set of Kenobi filming with headliner Ewan McGregor. This has led to speculation that Smith will be reprising his role as Senator Bail Organa, which he previously played in Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, and Rogue One. On top of being one of the most prominent political leaders on Alderaan, Senator Organa is also the adoptive father of Princess Leia and a founding member of the Rebel Alliance. 
I want to say, didn't he return to voice his character in Rebels? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Pretty sure. Because, you know, the character is known to be surviving all the way through to A New Hope and then doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of rumor news, Spider-Man No Way Home secures HBO release overseas. Now, granted, this is a U.S.-centric show you're watching, but, you know... You you don't understand why I'm bringing this up here. Um, Spider Man No Way's Home's been out for a few months. It's about to come to digital release uh, and home release fairly soon. Uh, actually, uh, according to this article, it's rumored for February 28th, but uh, that's not been confirmed. According to uh, the site, uh, what seems like almost uh, confirmed was that. Um, let's see. VOD William, which is often three to four months, we know that. It looks like instead of hitting stars, uh, anyone with an HBO Max uh, subscription overseas will get the pleasure of being able to stream uh, No Way Home uh, when that happens. <coughs> cough, cough, VPN. Cough, Eggs. cough. Hey. <laughs> which is the reason why I brought this up. Cough, cough. So it says, yes. Um... <laughs> Yeah, um, um, Deadline reported that Sony Pictures uh, Television and Warner Media has extended their current content deal, which results in the in the result in which uh, in recent big name pictures like Spider Man No Way Home and Ghostbusters Afterlife being made available on HBO Max and HBO channels in territories across Central Eastern Europe. Uh, so these regions include Poland, Czech Republic, Slovakia, Hungary, Romania, Bulgaria. Moldavia, Latvia, just kidding. Latveria, I was about to say Latveria. Um, Slovenia, Croatia, Serbia, Montenegro, uh, Bosnia, and North, uh, North Macedonia. So use that information as you will. Next up. Next up, Tom Holland would love to see Andrew Garfield's Amazing Spider-Man 3. So this is, you know, not a huge piece of news, but it's interesting to hear Holland mention this. Um, he actually said during a recent appearance on the Phase Zero podcast, I would love to see The Amazing Spider-Man 3. And he thinks that is wonderful how, and this is spoilers for No Way Home, obviously. Uh, he thought it was wonderful how Andrew was able to kind of make amends with the character in the studio to kind of win the general public back for Amazing Spider-Man Two. Yeah, I also remember seeing another article where, uh, like, Tom Holland said he kind of regrets not uh, talking to uh, Andrew Garfield when he got the role because that was because that whole big thing was in the midst of Disney. Uh, well, not not Disney, uh, but Disney by well, technically it was, I guess, Disney buying Marvel. And that whole thing, plus whatever happened in between uh, after, well, after Amazing Spider-Man 2 and the potential announcement of a potential Amazing Spider-Man 3, which didn't happen for reasons that Garfield has something to do with, uh, or at least uh, upon reports or something. I don't know. But regardless, you know, um, it was that. Next up, though, here's the big story of this week. Or one of them, anyway. The Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness trailer has come thanks to that 
one sports ball game that happened yeah. this past weekend. Um, I've watched the trailer. It is good. 1870? Yeah, it was full. Full. Like, absolutely full. And I am not... That's not hyperbole. That, that is the furthest thing from hyperbole. It is full of things to look at and interpret and misinterpret and pick apart and put back together. That is one of the more intense trailers that we have ever received uh, for an MCU project. And it makes all the sense in the world that it would be for the Multiverse of Madness project because we've been primed as MCU fans to get to this point. And it's unbelievable that we have somehow gotten to this point where we're now going to have two Doctor Strange movies where the second Doctor Strange movie, and this is along the lines of me saying we will, we're about to get three Ant-Man movies, you know, shots fired at, uh, at DC, even though it seems like they're getting their act together, you know, they're, they're really behind the eight ball. You know, they're behind, you know, they're, they're far behind in the race. So we got, we're about to have a second Doctor Strange movie that everyone seems to have a thought about. Yeah, and that's going to potentially have, well, it's going to basically blow out the, the far-reaching implications that probably Loki and WandaVision have set forth before mm-hmm. it, including something a... What potentially could be a long uh, gestating um, uh, thing that people have been wanting in the MCU because of a a, a character that whose voice shows up in the um... right, right. That's a big one. That's a big one. That was all over social media during the Super Bowl. During the actual Super Bowl, I was getting text messages about it from people. <laughs> I was like, yes, I think that's what it is. Yes, I think that's what it is. But we'll see where it, you know, how how uh, how it plays out. So I was, you know, my I had no rooting interest in the Super Bowl. I thought that the game was kind of dull. You know, there were there were a couple of things going on in the game that were of interest. But at the end of the day, everyone was waiting for the halftime show, and mm-hmm. you know, Mary killed it. You know, everyone else is all right, but. Um, you know, you know, Kendrick would, you know, Kendrick, you know, Kendrick was all right. Uh, you know, M was all right. You know, Dre obviously he's not the strongest rapper in the world, so you can't expect a strong performance from him. But you know, and 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 Snoop, you know, obviously he's understated. Uh, Fifty wasn't exactly the best surprise. But anyway, getting back to, uh, you know, my experience with this trailer. Um, you know, that's me getting in the uh, the, the the Super Bowl and Super Bowl halftime commentary because I know Roddy Cat really wasn't paying attention to much of that, if any. If anything, just, so just just a couple of commercials and the halftime. That was about it, right? Nothing about the, the game. So, but the bottom line is that um, I wanted to mention, you know, and when I when I when I say bottom line, you know, most of the time I I kind of bring in you know a multitude of points, but I think the big point I want to make here is that what if I think is going to prove to be very impor- a very important watch. And a lot of people ignored it, thinking that it doesn't matter, that it's just animated. But the MCU, the people behind the MCU thought so much of what what if could be 
that they brought in so much of the MCU voice of, of the actors to be voice talent. So we can't, we cannot underestimate how at least the very last episode mm-hmm. of what if, and the Dr. Strange episode specifically may play a role in right. how so, this I, plays out, so, how Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness plays out. That is right. As they have long said, it's all connected and it very much is right. So if you, and, and it's unlikely that anyone watching or listening to the comic book chronicles discounted what if, and let it go by the wayside since we talked about it every week when it came out. But in the event that you are one of those people, I suggest going back to watch that prior to going to watch Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Yep. I sat and watched it with a friend of mine uh, who is at this point now all caught up and is uh, is ready for this. There it is. There it is. All right, next up. So, Loki Season 2 news. Owen Wilson confirms Mobius will return, and filming on Loki Season 2 should start, quote, pretty soon. So, this was said during an interview with Wired, and he confirmed that Agent Mobius will return for the show's second season. Okay. Which probably shouldn't be a surprise, because it wasn't like he had gone anywhere after the first season, but, you know, sure. Confirmation. Um, also, he's 53. Wow. Hmm. Um, so, Moon Knight adds uh, F. Murray Abraham as Khonshu, which, for some strange reason, I never thought about. Because <laughs> we knew Moon Knight, is, as the fist of Khonshu, would have to answer to someone. We knew there was going to have to be a voice at some point for them, I suppose. But now we know who the voice is, and it's F. Murray uh, Abraham. Um, I believe there was also a, um, a Moonlight trailer during the, the, the sports ball game also, right? But it's probably uh, info that we – I mean stuff that we've seen. It's mostly stuff that we'd seen a little bit. Uh, there was a little bit more. Yeah. There was, was a little, little bit, bit, yeah, bit more. Actually. I'm sorry? I said, I think there was a little bit of, uh, I've seen shots of like Mr. Uh, Mr. Knight costume. Oh yeah, no, there was a Mr. Knight and also more, more, more images of the weapons and the, you know, the crescent, more, more shots of the crescent darts and the cape. Right. That's what I recall. Yeah. And that's a particular uh, trailer is also attached to this article. If you are, if you missed out on that, uh, during the big game. As they keep, I don't know why they keep calling it the big game. Like it was like we, it's the Super Bowl. Why do you keep every article I've seen could just call it the, the the big game? I think Super Bowl is trademarked. Is it? Hmm. I think it is. So I think that's why they call it the big game. Okay. Well, that makes more sense. Still dumb. Next up. All right. Next up, Disney CEO has teased the She Hulk release date. So, uh, in an earnings call this past Wednesday. Or last Wednesday, actually. Um, Disney chief Bob Chapek listed upcoming live action projects from Marvel Studios. He reiterated that Moon Knight would hit hit Disney Plus on March 30th and will be followed by Miss Marvel and She-Hulk. So that would put uh, Miss Marvel sometime summer 2022, which suggests that uh, She-Hulk would come in... June to September, anywhere in that window. 
Okay, sure. Which I guess after uh, yeah. Doctor Strange is probably he, you know. Right. It's still not. yeah. It's still speculation because it makes sense that uh, Miss Marvel would come soon on the heels of Doctor Strange. Right. Although you would think it would be closer towards where's the when is that Captain Marvel movie? Is that next year? Um, not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. You know, I think I think the Captain Marvel movie is next year. The Marvels, yeah, yeah. If not at the end of this year, then it probably is. So I guess you mm-hmm. know somewhere around that time would be be the movie. Right. Well, I think the reason why I said it makes sense that Ms. Marvel will come on the heels of Doctor Strange is that whether or not they actually intend to uh, preserve some of the inhuman aspects of Ms. Marvel's. Uh, origin, you know, that's probably the the most recent refresher that most MCU fans will have of the Inhumans because nobody watched that movie or the show. For them. Exactly. Um, yeah, which actually reminds me of an, uh, uh, another part of the the Doctor Strange uh, trailer that I'm curious to see who that was. If it's one, it's because it's either one or two people. Um, but yeah, anyway. Next up, um, Netflix is removing uh, all of its Marvel shows, including Daredevil and Jessica Jones. I, as I first saw this article, quietly removing, but it's not so quietly if news articles have, have picked up on it. So, yeah, apparently um, Netflix is moving. Actually, I'm going to take the next one after this because it's related. Yeah, it's related. I was about to say that's like the second half of the story. Mm-hmm. So Netflix is getting uh, removing all of the uh, Marvel shows, and I will go ahead and say right now that if you haven't watched uh, all of the shows, and apparently I did not know uh, at least one show had more seasons than I thought it was, there is an article in the clickbait section that gives you the chronological order, well, the order that you should watch those shows in before uh, before they leave on March 1st. That being said... Um, Disney and Marvel is going to announce when the news, excuse me, Disney and Marvel is going to announce the new streaming home for Daredevil, Luke Cage, and the other Marvel shows uh, soon, according to this article. I, I have no reason to expect that it wouldn't be on Disney Plus, but hey, who 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 even knows? Um, but yeah, so apparently, since all of those shows are leaving, leaving uh, Marvel, I mean, leaving Netflix, they're going to go somewhere. And according to Deadline, uh, like I said, that's what was going to be the case at the March first. Um, uh, and this article just kind of goes into the blah 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 blahs. But um, so yeah, the, the the takeaway from that article is like they're going to announce something soon about where where these shows are actually going to go. So we will tell you when we find out. Right. What do you th- What do you think? Do you think it's going to be Hulu or the Plus? You know what? Now that you say Hulu, Hulu, um, there is probably a better chance of it being there than Disney Plus. Honestly, um, I would rather it be on Disney Plus because just to go ahead and put them with the rest of the Marvel stuff. Right. Especially now that what we know coming out of uh, coming out of No Way Home. You know, not saying that that's, that that's a direct tie to either one, but still, well, a direct enough tie to either one that that would warrant it. Right. But I you, feel like, yeah, it would probably go to Hulu more often, more than not. Do you want to know why I disagree? Why? Moon Knight. If Moon Knight is going to be 
of the butt kicking, you know, not gory, but definitely butt kicking. Uh, if it's going to be in that kind of daredevil style, butt kicking vein, I think that's going to prove to be the primer for bringing in slightly more grown up content on Disney plus. So I think moon Knight may actually pave the way for daredevil. And basically that shows progeny to, uh, take up residence on Disney Plus. That's my guess. I would love that to be the case. Like I said, I would right. love that. I know that. Like, I know that people speculate that they'll they're going to put on Hulu to make people buy the package so that they spend spend more on on the package. But at the same time, my gut says they'll put it on Plus to keep it all unified. And you know, I have a feeling that Modoc show eventually is going to come over to Plus anyway. Well, see, and see. That brings up what I was thinking why they wouldn't. Because I feel like the Modoc show, uh, that Runaway show, I guess even including that Gifted show. Runaways is on Plus. Is it? Yeah, Runaways Runaways is definitely on the Plus. I've seen it on the Plus. And I stand corrected on that part because I figured like those shows, those particular Modoc shows and those shows, they kind of had separated, you know, for a reason and therefore the because of because of the Netflix stuff or like cousins, even though it's all Marvel stuff would be on Hulu as opposed to being with the Disney plus four. And even with the moon Knight being what it is, moon Knight is still going to be on Disney plus and therefore, right. It's still connected. But I think I, I, I have a feeling that like the, the fears about it being more grown up or, you know, quote unquote adult, I think are unfounded. If, if we are going to get a moon Knight show that Feige is teasing is going to be, you know, uh, you know, probably in the vein of Daredevil, mm. then you know that, that that basically knocks out any idea, any that that basically knocks out any fears that Daredevil and its ilk are too much for Disney Plus. Yeah, but also, yeah, I don't know. The part of me is thinking is like sanitize is a strong word, but the the, the whole Disney sanitation sanitization would be a reason why they wouldn't put those shows on. Like I said, again, I would love it if they actually do put them on the, the Disney Plus. I would be very much okay with that. Well, I think the the thing, I think I think the Marvel section is its own section on Disney Plus. I mean, they have Eternals on Disney Plus. Well, yeah, but that's also... You know, no, but Marvel. there's, you know... No, but my point is, they have Eternals on Disney Plus and, you know, they've got, like, they've literally got, like, a superhero sex scene now on Disney Plus. So... Listen. What's that? Such as it is. Such yeah. uh, exactly. It's not much, you know. Listen, this is not anything to uh, write home about if you're uh, into that stuff. But at the end of the day, um, uh, I have to. Now I'm going to take a look at, um, you know, I'm I'm trying to go through uh, Disney Plus now to look for because I know I've seen Runaways here. I think I want to say it's on the, under the legacy stuff. Uh, or is it under series and specials? Because I'm like literally scrolling through it now. Right. But um, but in any event, you know, this is just speculation on our part. We're not, we're just guessing here. Exactly. All right. But- next up. Oh. Next up, Warner Brothers has a modern take on Barbie that I don't recall ever reading about uh, in the form of a movie. And the and the and the movie has reportedly uh, is reportedly working with uh, Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Ring star Simu Liu 
And uh, he is in negotiations to join the film, which has Margot Robbie in the lead role as Barbie and Greta Gerwig of Little Women, uh, director of Little Women in the director's chair. Gerwig co-wrote the script with Noah Baumbach. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's a pretty heavy hitting writing team. That is not, that does not sound like they're going to be telling, uh, 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 a cookie cutter Barbie story. They also have, um, uh, whatchamacallit, Ryan Gosling confirmed to play as Ken. So, you know, given those two as, uh, uh, writer and writers and directors and writers, you know, co-writers and director, it doesn't seem like it's going to be what we expect it to be. And the in this particular article goes on to reinforce that. Right. Um, and I believe, I feel like sometime late last year, uh, we talked about this the Barbie movie being a thing. Uh, I vaguely remember it also, but yeah, I, I feel like at some point we probably did. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, Runaways is definitely on the plus. Okay, cool. I'm going to check it out. Um, I'm trying to think of Simu Leo's name from uh, Kim's Convenience, but never mind. Next up, um, live action Chippendale oh. Rescue Rangers movie is buck wild, according to this article. <laughs> um, so yes, there was there's a teaser trailer for the Chippendale live action movie. His name was uh, Jung. Jung, there we go. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yes, yes, yes. Um. Very so, Korean. Very Korean. Indeed. Even though he is not. But oh. hey, that was a show. Watch Kim's Convenience, folks, if you haven't already. Anyway. Um, I'm just playing that. Just have Stop. just have fun. Stop. <laughs> nice. Uh, so, yeah, there's a, there's a teaser trailer for a Chipperdale live action movie. Uh, you watch it at your own will. I have not watched it yet. But it is a thing that is apparently still happening. Next. Oh, there's a trailer for it. Gosh. I have not watched that. Oh, my gosh. Apparently, uh, this image, thumbnail image is to be believed. Chip is still animated and Dale is not? Like, what what is going on here? I don't know. Or there could be, you know, a beginning of the... I don't know. Like I said, I haven't watched it yet. It, it, It is what it is. okay (laughs) i mean i'll I'll probably try to sit and watch the trailer sometime this weekend or something just to see what what what, uh what it looks like so yeah in in news that we talked about earlier peacemaker has been confirmed to be renewed for season two on hbo max yeah and like i said we talked about i feel like with this uh uh news um sorry (laughs) <laughs> uh, message. Uh, yeah, like I said, we knew about this already. Um, yeah, it's, this is, I feel like this is old news. But yeah, there you go. Confirmation. And uh, we talked about it earlier at the beginning of the show about the finale. So enough said about that. Uh, but speaking of the Cena, uh, John Cena is joining the Looney Tunes verse with Coyote versus Acme movie. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, Peacemaker is now going to be uh, in a in a, a Wally Coyote. Uh, I'm assuming 
Roadrunners are going to be a proud of it because you can't have Wiley without Roadrunner. So there you go. Uh, let's see. This new movie will see Wiley Coyote take Acme to court with the with a down on his luck human attorney taking his case. Only to discover that his boss from the former law attorney law firm is representing Acme. Cena will play the role of Acme lawyer. Yikes. The script is based on the New Yorker humor article uh, Coyote vs. Acme by Ian Frazier, which was published in 1990, and the movie is described as part courtroom drama and part family comedy. Will we see LeBron in it? That's all I want to know. God. (laughs) You know what? I would be surprised at at this point, but gosh. God. All righty. Next up, Warner Brothers... What's that? No, I was looking for if there was like or some sort of re- release thing, but we don't have anything oh. like that. So keep on, keep it pushing. Next up, Warner Brothers dropped a brief but exciting. This is spec. You know, this this is definitely subjective. Dropped a brief but exciting teaser for all of the trailers that are about to be released this Super Bowl Sunday, offering audiences brand new footage from several upcoming DC projects, including Black Adam, The Flash, Aquaman, and The Lost Kingdom, and The Batman. Sure. Yeah. Actually, I never. I, I meant to watch this, whatever it was, but um, I did not. Uh, and I guess along those lines, uh, there was also a new picture or new images of um Aldous Hodges, uh, Black. Uh, I mean, not Black. Um, Hawkman. Yep. Uh, during that whole thing, also, which some people were kind of all over about. So it was okay. You know, it's Hawkman. We've seen feathered wings before. That's the thing. Hmm. You know, what? there's a version. There's a version of uh, Thanagarian on that Naomi show, and obviously budgets with notwithstanding, you know, you can definitely tell the difference. Oh, right. Yeah, I was yeah. about to say, having not watched that, I, I understand what you mean. But you know, despite having not watched that, I definitely understand what you mean. But uh, you know, it's for me, it's going to be the execution of that movie. That movie is going to be all about execution because if it's just The Rock being The Rock running around with powers. It probably is. You know, what are you going to do? Hey, is it going to be this and or whatever that other video game movie that we still don't know what he's doing that people are having some interesting speculations about? Yeah. But Or, excuse me, the other because he's done a few in the past, nevertheless. Move right along, though. Right. I mean, you know, you know what, you know what the the, the Rock would say to me. It doesn't matter what you think. So there we go. <laughs> indeed, indeed, indeed. Uh, this is you. No, I just read the. Oh, well, that's right. Because uh, which one? This is a related. Uh, which one? I should have taken the second one because at the end of the day, um, it was all related to that DC debut thing. Uh, Wonder Twins movie activate. Uh, apparently this Wonder Twins movie might actually become a reality. Uh, the Hollywood reporter broke the news that I, Adam, goodness gracious, Steichel, Steichel. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Adam Steichel, a writer on Black Adam who also wrote Due Date, Rampage, and Scoob, not exactly a murderer's row of writing credits, has been hired to bring Zan and Jaina not to the big screen but to HBO Max. It's the place where many DC heroes will get their debut, such as Batgirl and, for a time, Blue Beetle. 
Okay, so do we have a release date on this? I have to open up the article. No, we no, do not. Or a window? No. I think this is basically saying, hey, this is probably more of a thing than it was in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which I did not know that Blue Beetle had been bumped up to, to theatrical. I thought that was still um, uh, a, a HBO Max thing. So I think we talked about it, to be honest. Probably have, but, you know, th- that was still some of that stuff in flux. So Batgirl is still on HBO Max. Uh, I wonder Twin movies, movie. I don't know how to feel about it, but hey. Sure. <laughs> We'll, we'll see if it, when, when and or if it comes to pass. New Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated movies coming to Paramount Plus. Uh, so Vi- uh, Viacom and CBS announced a new slate of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles films to, to go to the service that I just mentioned. As reported by Variety, the new series of uh, animated films were announced during Viacom CBS's Investor Day on February 15th. And we'll each focus on uh, the most famous villains in the TMNT franchise. Uh, the, the films are slated to be released on Paramount Plus sometime in 2023, and plot details have not yet been announced. Alrighty then. Well, that's something really to say about that. Next up. <laughs> Next up, Paramount announces a new Star Trek movie to begin production in winter 2022. So this is the Kelvin timeline because it has Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, Zoe Saldana, and more set to reprise their roles in a third movie in this timeline. This is uh, the timeline helmed by J.J. Abrams. According to Deadline, the new film is looking at a production start in the winter of this year, 2022, and intends to reunite the cast from the first three films in the series, including the aforementioned characters, uh, actors, plus Carl Urban, John Cho, and Simon Pegg. So the last time I remember hearing anything about this, like this has been on again, off again, and at one point, Chris Pine and uh, Chris Hemsworth were both not going to be um, attached right. to whatever this was going to be probably because of money. Um, but apparently they must have gotten past that hurdle. Right. They probably wrote Crims- they probably they probably wrote Crims Hemsworth out of the movie because it seems like they have brought the vast majority of the surviving actors, you know, shout out to uh, you know, rest in peace to um, the actor who played Chekhov who passed away. Um, you know, to uh, to 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 start a fourth movie, right? I'm not even sure what Hemsworth would even be doing coming back, unless it was going to be like a flashback because he played um, Kirk's dad, right? I figured it was going to be some kind of time travel, you know, Star Trek. That this is also true. You're right. <laughs> so yeah, apparently that's back on again, and um, yeah, um, winter 2022, which yeah, that's. Wait, that's soon. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the year, it's gonna start. It's gonna start filming. That is right. That's well, not. That's not the release date. That's you know. They're gonna start working. I know, yeah. but, but I'm thinking winter 2022. That would be like now, because next winter would be 23. No, no, because winter 2022 is gonna be the end of the year. 
Well, I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, this is December. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. You know, when, when we're talking about the uh, the the what call the seasons, but technically we're about to hit spring. So, you know, true. Yeah, that's what that's what, which is what threw me off. I was like, wait a minute, they should have that should have been a thing by now. But yeah. So anyway, regardless, that's the thing. Next up, though, um, I think. Blade Runner 2049 sequel series from Ridley Scott heading to Amazon. Um, so according to Deadline, Blade Runner 2099. Wait, what does it say 2099? Oh, sequel. Excuse me. Right. Um, Blade Runner 2099, which is the sequel to 2049, will be uh, executive produced by original Blade Runner director Ridley Scott, along with, uh, this is the name, Silk Louisa. Um Scott is reportedly also in consideration to direct a project, which is being fast-tracked by Amazon Studios. And apparently they already, they already wrote the pilot and the the, the Bible. Um, so presenting Blade Runner as a TV show, the first 10 hours, uh, according to this quote. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the thing that's going to happen, I guess. Uh, it doesn't have a date yet, so stay tuned for that. Next. Wow, it's so, anime corner. Well, starting to get into anime corner after this. Yeah, point. exactly. This is the last one that's not going to be an anime corner, so I'll have um, a, a sound queued up as we head into the next section. But um, in news that I did not know existed, an animated adaptation of David Sims' uh, Cerebus, the Aardvark comic series is now available for free online. It's called The Absurd, Surreal, Metaphysical, and Fractured Destiny of Cerebus the Aardvark. You know, it's, you know, wow. It's a 2021 animated film available to stream for free, free 99 on Tubi, Plex, and Zumo, X-U-M-O. Fans can also purchase the film with no commercials for 99 cents on Vimeo On Demand. It's written and directed by Oliver Simonson. Uh, you know, and it stars John DeCrosta as Cere- Cerebus, the Aardvark, and Stephen Mendel as Wizard Maki. Wow. I had not, I did not know this existed at all. This is totally under my radar. Mm-hmm. Like, I know of the character. I've never read uh, in the, the comics, but I saw this. And I'm like, huh, that's interesting. They're mining uh, everything. Yeah, nowadays. seriously. Seriously. So, um, also a still shorter title than that, uh, that Harley Quinn slash, uh, Birds of Prey. Movie. No, no. <laughs> Just to put that out there. That's funny. So now we're going to go into the anime corner. And to add to, to, to that, um, Anyway, Demon Slayer uh, Season 2 has taken over social media with its finale. So I can go ahead and say at this spot that yes, I have watched both Agent 70 and I have watched the season season finale. Um, Yeah, sadly it's the season finale, but I'm very glad that Roddy Cat is caught up finally with Season 2 of Demon Slayer. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! 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 yeah. I just remember um, there was a point very recently that you were like one or two episodes behind. So I, there was a point where I had not watched any of it actually. So yes, you are absolutely correct. 
and I quickly caught up um, over the last like month or so, month or two actually. So yeah, uh, I enjoyed it. It was I was expecting something that thankfully did not happen. Um, I am sad that it's such a short season, but you know right. with things things. Um, Right, pandemic. Uh, obviously, pandemic related, partially movie related, but definitely pandemic related. Uh, you know, because season two definitely uh, started off with an adaptation of the Mugen Train uh, uh, movie, so that definitely gave them something of a head start. But if you if you factor that in, then that means they were really impacted by the pandemic. Yeah, basically. But there is good news, and I'll take this since it's, since it's. Um... Unless you had something else on this, uh, the finale you wanted to say. No, just that the finale uh, – one of the funniest things that I heard, and it wasn't even something I heard on another podcast. It was from a friend who in a you – know, we, 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 we were in a group chat uh, after watching uh, the Attack on Titan episode this past week. They had already watched Demon Slayer, and I hadn't watched it yet. So it was just a tease, but essentially what was told to me and it proved to be somewhat true was that Nezuko kind of is like a baby Yoda or Grogu for Demon Slayer. Yes. And it was, and and when I heard that, I was like, how? And then I realized, and then after watching, I was like, oh, I get that now. That's actually a pretty accurate observation. Mm hmm. Right, so yeah, so you can you can pick up the next uh the the next uh, that next um related article as well. Also, kind of funny how Tanjiro was riding her like he was like anyway. But you know, we'll talk about that later. Um, oh well, yeah. because he was broken, the poor guy. But yeah, I was like, really. Well, she offered because she's got that demon strength. True, true, true. It was still kind of funny though. Oh yeah. Um, but, uh, like I said, in good news, uh, season three shares first po- poster. So, yeah, we obviously we're getting a season three out of this, uh, out of Demon, Demon Slayer. Uh, and we already have a poster. Uh, so does it show? Yes, it does. Uh, the Mist, Hashira, and Love Hashira joined the battle in Demon Slayer. Uh, Kimetsu no Yaiba, uh, Swordsmith Village Arc. So that's the new arc name. Um, and... The, we are not getting one Hashira, but two, apparently, uh, in this next um, arc. So, wait. Oh, no, that's right. I totally forgot about that one. I'm like, wait, <laughs> wait what's that first one? So, uh, does it say when, I guess, is the question. Uh see. Might not get any... Oh, we know UFO Table has a Jennifer's produ- produ- production schedule, so fans might not get any updates uh, until 2023. So we still don't know when it's coming back. Uh, but we do know when another show is coming back, and that's for you. Right. So, you know, if you have been following Jujutsu Kaisen, you know that, uh, you know, it premiered in 2020. You know, late in 2020, uh, while we were in the midst of, um, uh, you know, like late stage, like, you know, kind of the, the, the earlier stages of the pandemic. And uh, we got the end of its debut season in 2021, but we won't see 
the next season of Jujutsu Kaisen until 2023. Yep. We still don't know when Fire Force Season 2 is coming, by the way. Um, which, you know, was... Oh, excuse me, Season 3. Uh, not Season 2. Season right. 2 was a, a thing already. Right. But Fire Force 3, we still don't know when that's going to happen. Right. Interestingly, in, in, in Fire Force news, uh, I actually made it through that first couple of episodes, which were a little tough. So mm-hmm. I'm like around like 10, 11, or 12, something like that in the first season. Has it picked up for you? A little bit. A little bit. But that, that the first couple of episodes were a little tough to, to really work my way through. I had to <laughs> sit with them for a little while and rewatch them. And surprisingly, Funimation, and Roddy Cat can attest to this because uh, we, we were joking about it one night, late one night after a show. Funimation only has the English. I had to watch it on Crunchyroll. Yes. Which you know, yeah. If if you if you're if you're a dub person, that's on you. But yeah, um, that is a continuously weird thing. Mm-hmm. That and I suspect that might change, uh, given the merger. Well, we've been waiting for a change because of the merger, and we're still waiting. They're still making people pay twice the money to get both of the the services. So. Yeah, I'm, and I'm still hoping it goes one way than the other because I really don't want to go have to deal with uh, Funimation's BS. And, and we already got um, uh, Crunchyroll as established. So just, just move everything over to Crunchyroll and we'll all be happy. Thank you, management. I was about to say, that works for me as long as they transfer my ma- my membership from Funimation to Crunchyroll. Man, there is that too. But I suspect they're going to probably go the other way because it's Sony. I don't know. We'll see. Um, right, because they're the they're they're the uh, the the parent company. Funimation will be the parent company in this merger. Yep, yep. Uh, before we go over, because uh, we're going to trans- transition over into the comic book news, uh, let me say really, really quick. Uh, one shout out to uh, my, uh, my friend Cindyak who just followed us. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Um, uh, appreciate you being here, sir. Um, love your face. You know that. Uh, this is the Comic Book Chronicles. This is uh, Agent 70. You know me already. We normally com- talk about uh, comic books at the beginning of the show. Then we get into the news as we do now. We could start with uh, cinematic news. Now we get into the comic book news, but we're still in a, uh, a in a relatively new section called the Anime Corner, which just so happens to be spilling over into the comic book section. Right. But we're going to be transitioning over now to the comic book section. So here we go. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. I should say comic book news because we, we talked about the, the books of the week earlier in the show. Mm-hmm. Announces, uh, speaking of Fire Force, a premiere date for the manga's final chapter. We've talked about uh, in the past couple of weeks that we knew there was going to be a couple more chapters left in the manga. And now we have a, a release date uh, for the actual final chapter. Um... Shared by Manton Webb, it was announced in Code and Shaw's weekly Shonen magazine that after 302 chapters of the action-packed storytelling, uh, of action-packed storytelling, the Fire Force manga will conclude in two chapters with the final installation to be released in the magazine's 13th issue on February 22nd, which is uh, next week. Um, Presuming that's next week this year? Yes. Presuming that's next week. This year, that's correct. Um, 
And then it goes on to say that, you know, uh, back in May 2020, they said that it was going to come to an end and that, that, that uh, Okubu said that the Fire Force was going to be his last manga. So hopefully it goes out like he wants it to. And again, hopefully we get Fire Force Season 3 for damn sake. Um, because I want that show to come back very much. Next up. All right. So this is a spoiler. Definite spoiler for the My Hero Academia manga, which is barreling towards the finish while we're still waiting for season six of the anime. And I'm not going to spoil it here because not everyone keeps up with the manga. But it's interesting that um, uh, it's in, it's been interesting for me as a as a new fan of My Hero Academia. This is the one manga that i've chosen to take up because it's about to end you know and, and I'm, the new uh anime fan i mean anime watcher no no but 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 i chose not to pick up demon slayer even though it's finished already right i know but you know i'm just telling people that. oh right 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 no but my point being this is uh uh, uh of the of the animes that i picked up watching this is the one you know, source manga that I actually chose to start reading because it's, it's, it's nearing its end and it's coming out on a relatively regular weekly basis. So, um, I'm not going to spoil it here, but, uh, for anyone who's interested in how the final, you know, kind of all out brawl is probably going to start setting itself up. This is an important issue. This chapter 343, which went live this past Sunday. And I suspect uh, some folks that are out there watching will probably already be ahead of the game because, like, even somebody is all up on the, the manga. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have not started the well. I don't. Read, I haven't read any of the manga, nor have I started. Although I still am going to start. Um, now that I've finished Demon Slayer, I'm going to start up my hero. That is the uh, the catch up on that point. The the anime, not the manga. I don't know about reading the manga. I probably will. I've been wanting to read more manga, uh, but I just haven't yet. Regardless. Um, and I guess in somewhat behind-the-scenes news, Bandai Namco details restructuring of Sunrise and other IP production operations. Uh, uh, Bandai Namco Holdings, Inc. Uh, announced more details about the reorganization of its IP production unit, uh, the Umbrella Company is combining its visual, music production business, and creation business into a new IP production unit uh, on April 1st. As a part of this project, Band, uh, Bandai, I always wanted to call it Namco, Namco Bandai for weird nostalgic reasons, but uh, is combining anime studio Sunrise Inc., the visual business operations of uh, Bandai Namco Arts Inc., and the Bandai Namco Rights Marketing Inc. into the new company. Bandai Bandai Namco Filmworks Inc. That's a lot of saying Bandai Namco. Um, so basically, they're wrapping Sunrise, which if you know Sunrise, they're mostly Gundam, the Gundam folks, uh, amongst other things. But you know, definitely, definitely, <laughs> definitely Gundams. Uh, so yeah, they're they're folding all of a lot of that stuff into together, and this article kind of goes into the the uh, the nitty gritty on some of that stuff. And I won't, but you can read it in the show notes if you so choose to. Next up, 
In addition to the Harry Potter open-world game Hogwarts Legacy, Warner Brothers Games has now announced that the collectible card game Harry Potter Magic Awakened will be released in the West this year. So this game is already out in China, but it's coming to America, Europe, and Oceania later this year. The free-to-play game mixes strategy, role-playing games, and uh, MMO elements as players duel each other with magical spells. The game is jointly developed by Warner Brothers Games and NetEase, and it will be released on iOS and Android outside of China through PortKey Games. So as soon as they said collectible card games, I'm like, so they're publishing card games? But it is definitely one of the uh, card games, quote-unquote card games that are on uh, mobile devices. I mean, there could be a physical version out there somewhere, or probably will be at some point. But yeah, this is definitely along the lines of the Hearthstones and the uh, the the, the um, digital versions of Magic. Sounds like I mean, yeah, Magic the Gathering, X, Y, L, Z. So you know, Ryder Cat with his love of collectible collectible card games is interested in this, but also and actually that uh, MMO, uh, the Harry Potter MMO, in some weird way. But don't want to put any money into uh, just just kidding's pocket because it's still her stuff. But we'll see. It's free to uh, from what I understand, this game is free to play. Um, that's what you know. Not that changes that much more, but still, um, there is a pre registration open if you were if you are interested in, in getting in on that, or when the game goes officially live uh, elsewhere. I probably will look into it, knowing my stupid behind. Mm. Next up, um, actually, speaking of Magic the Gathering, uh, Magic the Gathering Secret Layer Times Street Fighter card art unveiled, and there's also a um, pre-order date. So, for those that don't know, Magic the Gathering for the last few years have been doing these things called Secret Layer Drops. Uh, they're basically like mini card sets of certain themes. There was the... Um, it was the uh, animated cartoon version of the Dungeons and Dragons uh, set that uh, was done sometime last year, I believe. It was also the Black Girl Magic one that was also done last year, I believe. But they do this every now and then, almost almost as much as they do regular sets, which there's another set coming out. Regardless. This one in particular is um, in conjunction with Street Fighter. Yes, the Capcom game, the fighting game, Street Fighter. Um... And it appears that let's see the pre-order for this project will product will be available actually is available now um, February 18th until March 18th and uh, you can go to their secret layer website for that stuff. Uh, here are some images from the card out the digital images from the card art. This could be um, concept art. Not sure. But, um, yes, Ryder Cat's going to be stupid enough to buy this thing. Because I know people don't like these things because it's like, oh, they're, you know, they're cash grabs. And even though these cards will be playable in Magic the Gathering, or most times they are anyway, uh, some, let's say, more hardcore or more verbal Magic the Gathering players don't like these things for probably good reasons. Let's face it, Magic the Gathering has anything, if it has anything, they there are no short of cards coming out per every other week, seems like. 
new card sets coming out every other week. So um, the only difference was in this one's like said uh, Street Fighter set and also will help celebrate the anniver- the 35th anniversary of uh, Street Fighter's arcade release. But there you go. Next up. That's so funny that Street Fighter is going to be part of this. I know, right? And play again, playable. <laughs> well, actually, it doesn't say, but more likely those secret drops have been playable for the most part. So there you go. All righty. Next up, Kate Mulgrew faces Kate Mulgrew in Star Trek Online's next adventure. So Star Trek Prodigy is not the only vocal return Mulgrew is making to Star Trek this year. Uh... So Star Trek Online developers Cryptic Studios announced that Mulgrew making her first voice acting appearance in the game, having missed out on the Voyager-themed expansion Delta Rising a few years back, will reprise her role as the beloved Starfleet Starfleet captain, now Admiral, in the upcoming season Shadows Advance. Okay. Yeah, this is slightly old news, I believe. Well, not slightly old, but this is a couple of weeks old. I thought we had talked about this um, a couple of weeks back, but I don't think we did. Um, uh, because I believe that stuff is actually going on currently right now, and I haven't been on the game in many a moon to check the stuff out. But I probably will. Next up, though, Rosario Dawson stars in La Borun, Kenya. I believe that's how to pronounce it right. Born, born, Quinny, Quinny. No, uh, the, the creator of the book uh, actually told me in person that it's, if you can say boring Kenya, that's essentially what it's, that's essentially what it's pronounced like. Gotcha. <clears throat> but there's going to be a new graphic novel um, uh, co-starring Rosario Dawson uh, playing herself, apparently. Uh, uh, with the, the 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 superhero, um, and uh, that is coming. It's going to be in shops April sixth, uh, for an SRP of nine ninety nine. And there is a um, there's a little write up on the, the the you know the uh, the solicitation that is in this article. But that ought to be interesting. I may see about picking that up. Um. I read a little bit of that the the the, the first story. And it's actually not bad. It's, it's about a uh, Puerto Rican uh, superhero, um, um, and, it, and it was all right. So I, it's been a while since I've read it, so I might have to revisit. But nevertheless, yeah, it's out there. Next up, next up. So Hawkeye returns to lead Marvel's new, more powerful Thunderbolts team. So this is uh story that came out ahead of the May 2022 solicits that came out, I believe, today, as Roddy Cat mentioned earlier. So I was just scrolling through them. So there's more information in the solicits. But the bottom line here is that in the wake of Devil's Reign, uh, Clint Barton, a.k.a. Hawkeye, is reinventing the Thunderbolts concept and bringing in a bunch of heavy hitters into the t- into this version of Thunderbolts with one new character. So, um, you know, I can talk about the characters who are in this, but I think key among all these characters is uh, Spectrum, Monica Rambeau. Very happy to see her back in the back in uh the f- back at the forefront of a new book mm-hmm. absolutely always glad to see monica and of course uh, you know america chavez too you know um but yeah so i found this kind of curious because normally thunderbolts 
would be the basically the Suicide Squad for the Marvel. To you know, that's a you know a short stroke of it. Not necessarily the same, but just, you know. Yeah, it's definitely a play on the concept because obviously the original conceit of Thunderbolts is vastly different from even the Suicide Squad. Right. But it's been transformed right. over. Yeah, it's been transformed over the years, which is what Roddy Cat was getting at. So, uh, you know, the this latest iteration of the Thunderbolts definitely deviates from the the Suicide Squad idea, at least from what we can see so far. Mm-hmm. So basically, this one seems like a a, a mix of Ultimates, uh, the West Coast Adventures, and. I guess that's about it. Yeah. Right, except they're supposed to be my my understanding is that they're supposed to be like a local New York team the way the X-Men are are are, are a local X-Men team. Sure. But since you got people like America, well, her powers have been slightly reduced I guess, but I, I assume she could still probably All Right, but they also made her New York centric in that rebooted in that revamped uh, origin that they've given her in that recent uh, miniseries. But what I was going to say is, like, if she still retains part of her power to to uh, go through dimensions, they they could kind of take them elsewhere. Oh, of course. I mean, I, you know, that's you know, this is the Marvel universe. You know, they're a quinjet away from going to to, to many many different places. So right. you know, it's not like uh, that would be all that difficult. So, but it's just interesting that um, they would uh, put the Thunderbolts in New York City. You know, we don't know where the Avengers are going to be based. Uh, coming out of this most recent storyline, so this is awesome. You know, huh. we'll see how that plays out. This, um, I don't know if you're looking at the article, but this other, this I guess this is a variant cover with a uh, a certain dirtbag X cap. Um, it's kind of curious, also. But with so, who? Yeah, so Where? This, uh, the second cover. Looking at it. Oh yeah, it's but, uh, re- yeah, it's with graffiti on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's funny. Well, because it plays with the current iteration of Thunderbolts that's running around in Devil's Reign. Right. Gotcha. Which yeah, I still need to catch up on that. So yeah, it, I, somebody noted on, on on social media it was like, yeah, it was good to see Monica, obviously, but she's uh, she's running around with a uh, blue marbles jacket on because you know they're 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 still a couple. Mm-hmm. So like, oh, that's that's all love. So I'm as opposed to the next wave jacket. Right. Exactly. But hey, you know, I had no problem with the trench coat. So <laughs> that's just me. But hey, it's a it's a good look for her. Um so yeah, I'm I'm curious. Wait, do we have a we do have a um yeah, five twenty five, so May twenty fifth. And we will more than likely be t- talking about it. It is apparently a mini series, so you know. Uh, whether it goes anywhere outside of that, we shall see. What, Thunderbolts? Yeah, 105. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says, while the press release only lists six characters, there's an additional one on the poster between uh, Rambo and Chavez, who seems to be on there. Oh, yeah, so there's looks like this other character that's probably going to be, looks like they're from someplace else. Uh, so, yeah. More on that later. Next up. Uh, this is me, I guess. Uh, Miles Morales gets a new mortal enemy or best friend in Marvel Spider Smasher, a new uh, Marvel comic character known as Spider Smasher. It sounds like an old character. 
um, is joining the fray within the pages of Miles Morales' Spider-Man later this year. Yeah, it's not Spider-Slayer, it's Spider-Smasher. So the alliteration is still there. It's just a right. different second word. Right. See, that's what I was thinking of. I was like, so this is just another version of that? Yeah. Um, yeah, but anyway... Uh, Marvel debuted a first look of, of the at the Spider Smasher in a promotional illi- uh, image illustrated by Scan. Uh, the art is meant to promote the upcoming 30th issue of Miles Morales Spider Man, which comes from uh, say it with me, Saladin Ahmed and artist uh, Christopher Allen, which I think the artist may be newer. I don't remember. Uh, and it's due to hit uh, comic book shops in May. So if you're watching the video version, you can see the. Um, the image of uh, the the spider smasher right there. And of course, we will definitely be talking about this book. Next. Oh, I'm scrolling through the the the, the May solicits and and, and and thankfully that Ben Riley uh, limited series is only five issues and it ends in May. <laughs> yes. For folks that did not know, yeah, um, uh, Peter Parker is not Spider-Man at this point, but he's getting back into form. And Ben Riley, who is not like the Riley's parts, is still the Spider-Man mm-hmm. outside of Mount Ground. All righty, next up, Roy Thomas returns to write the X-Men in X-Men Legends. So he's teaming up with artist Dave Wachter for a new tale set during his historic run on X-Men in May's X-Men Legends number one. So I guess they're rebooting it. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, it's coming back this May with an all new number one, and uh, so he the uh, he uh, Roy Thomas wrote some of the X Men's most memorable Silver Age adventures, um, and he's going to write a new story set after his final issue and before Giant Size X Men. So that's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Indeed. So I'm excited about this next story, but I think I'm going to let Agent Seventy take this one as well. I'm glad that Roddy Cat had this in here because I was scanning for it to make sure they had it in here. So I'm happy to see that it was here. So uh, in partnership with the Hero Initiative, Marvel and DC Comics are going to re-release JLA Avengers, which was first published in 2003. And it was a crossover to end all crossovers, literally. Four issues... And it was the last time that Marvel and DC Comics officially had a crossover. So in, so um, as a way to help fundraise, not to help out George Perez, whose health is in uh, unfortunate decline after uh, a diagnosis of, uh, of uh, inoperable and untreatable pancreatic cancer. Um, rather, this limited release is going to be through the Hero Initiative – and uh, Hero Initiative is going to be um, the recipient of the funds from this publish from this publication of uh, uh, JLA Avengers. So it's going it's basically going towards a general fundraiser for the initiative. Remember, George Perez is a founding member of the board of directors of the Hero Initiative, which is a charitable organization that assists comic creators with medical and other quality of life expenses. George Perez has done a lot of fundraising for the Hero Initiative over the years, and it's probably in part due to the success of JLA Avengers that George does not need the help of the Hero Initiative during his uh, during his health issues. Uh, 
but not every creator, not every comic book creator is lucky. Very much so. It's rare that a comic book creator will be lucky enough to not need some kind of help uh, because of the uh, the way the freelance system is built. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, I'm excited for this. And the, it's worth noting that I don't think it's been said uh it is a limited run of 7,000 issues, right. and it's going to be out next month for uh, $29.99, uh, distributed through Diamond, so at participating comic book shops. So, yeah, if you didn't get it the first time back in the 80s, uh, here's your chance to get it again. No, not in the 80s, in 2003. Wait, was it 2003? Yeah. Oh. Okay. This is the you know what what Roddy Cat is thinking of is the original idea of JLA Avengers, which never got off the ground. But once uh, Joe Quesada became editor in chief at Marvel, he basically spearheaded the effort to rekindle the idea of JLA Avengers, and uh, Kurt Busiek and George Perez put it out in 2003, and it, and it spanned into I believe 2004. Uh, and uh, went out of print in 2008 because it had, I believe, a soft cover trade paperback and uh, the deluxe, which I have on my shelf. And it's the deluxe that has um, copies of the pages from the first attempt at JLA Avengers in 1983. Right. Uh, and it's never been digitally reprinted um, b- before, so... You know, with the advent of comicsology and other places, right? Um, so, I no, no, I was kind of go ahead, go ahead, finish up. Okay, I was, I was about to say, uh, I believe this came about because uh, there was a comic creator or two saying on uh, Twitter actually that, hey, if you wanted to do something from Perez, put this back out, right? Uh, and uh, and apparently, someone listened, and uh, the the that happened, and I can't remember who uh, Marie Jevons, I believe, also did a lot of uh, right, but she works for DC, so exactly. you know, but you need two to tango in this particular dance. So, um, glad that Marvel and DC were able to uh, uh, get together and put this out through the Hero Initiative. It's unfortunate that it's only 7,000 issues. Uh, if you want a copy of this, please go to your comic book st- uh, shop and ask them to order one for you. Yep. yep. Yeah, I'm definitely going to st- step back from this one because I think uh, the people who want a copy of this and don't already have previous copies or or maybe didn't get any of the trades, maybe have the original four issues, or even if you just missed out on this whole thing, I think those are the people that really should jump in on this yeah the right of the world <laughs> that's my that that's my humble opinion so i'm going to step back from this uh from this edition i'd be happy to help i've i've contributed to the hero heroes initiative before on my own through different things but um i think for this one i uh, i'm going to step back because uh it's it's equitable it's more fair for other people to get their hands on this because it is just really great to look at Sure. And you already got a copy. So I've got several. I mean, you know, you know, I've got the four original and my big, you know, the big deluxe copy. So, so yeah, so yeah, and I think I didn't say this part. The, the reprint of JLO Avengers will run 280 pages. There'll be 64 pages of extra content. Uh, reprinted intro introductions from Stan Lee and I guess then, well, right, DC editor Julius Schwartz. Mm-hmm. Then or yeah, then I think it's the then editor. 
and a new afterword by Kurt Busiek. Um, and everything else I've already said. So, so yeah. I um yeah I'm definitely going to uh, be hollering at my comic uh, my comic book shop uh, to see if I can get a copy of this for certain. I also like, went went looking to see if it was on Amazon, but I was like, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> Support your local comic book shops, folks. All right, since it's going through Diamond, it's not going to be easy to get on, you know, uh, on Amazon at all. So yeah, I wouldn't think so. So, but anyway. Uh, DC announces new comic book series Batman Fortress by Gary Witta and Derek Robertson. Uh, it says here, when an unknown alien ship enters Earth's atmosphere, uh, disrupting global power and communications and plunging the planet into chaos, the world is left wondering, where is Superman when he's needed the most? In the most mysterious absence uh, of the last son of Krypton, Batman must rally the rest of the Justice League to counter the alien threats. But first, you must quell a crime wave on the blacked out streets of Gotham, because isn't that always the way? Uh, Gary Weta of Rogue One, co-writing fame, and uh, actually, I think he wrote, uh, I think he, uh, whatever God and Derek Robertson of The Boys, join forces to turn everything you think you know about Superman upside down in the new uh, DC, in DC's new comic book miniseries, Batman Fortress, launching this May. Um, so there you go. Next. Mm, all right. So spoilers here. Justice League has revealed the hero and villain have the same dark origin. So this is from the Justice League 2022 annual. So there is apparently a definitive link between the origins of two of DC's <gasps> zombies. So scrolling, 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 rawhide. So uh, according to what's that? I said one was plant based and one's born on a Monday. Right. Yeah, that's that, that that's the fairest way to do this without totally giving things away. Yeah. All right. Next up. Yeah, I didn't read. The, I didn't. Um, I know that this is. So that was from uh, Just Like Annual that came out last week. And I don't think either one of us read it. So, um, but anyway, Aquaman joins DC's adults-only Black Label with a psychological horror series. Um, so thanks to the fine folks at CBR, they can reveal that Aquaman will get his own DC Black Label miniseries later this year, uh, written by Ram V. And artist Christian Ward, uh, and they will team up for Aquaman Andromeda, the three-issue miniseries that is billed as the psychological horror book that I said. Um, and it's going to be released as uh, June seventh, and uh, the article goes on to tell the plots, um, the plot of this story. There you go. There's also uh, if you're um, uh, checking out the show notes. There is a, an interview with Ram V in the clickbait section if you are so interested about this um, miniseries. Next up. I'm sorry. I'm still scrolling through the, the May solicits. There's a lot of different and new things going on. And it's just really interesting. And I'm like, oh, am I really going to stick with this book to get to that point? So, you know, th- that's the, uh, that the, the, the perils of trying to manage a pull list, folks. 
So next up, let's see where we are here. Uh, the Batman, the Batman unleashes a high-end Batarang replica. So Factor Entertainment recently revealed a collectible Batarang prop, which serves as the first item in its new line of limited edition high-end prop replicas, celebrating the upcoming Warner Brothers and DC film, The Patents in Batman. So the bat- Batarang replica does not run cheap at $300, but it comes with a museum-quality presentation box with a piano black finish and an acrylic window as well as a metal plaque with a unique limited edition number and a certificate of authenticity. And, of course, I am running through the images right now uh, if you're so interested in such a thing. All right. So it's definitely its own design. It is not... Uh, similar to any previous battering other than that it has a semblance of a bat. Yes, indeed. Hasbro's uh, My Little Pony reboot. Um, excuse me. My Little Pony's reboot movie, uh, Hoofed Heroes, headline uh, new <laughs> ID series. And this this article writer just loved, loved that one, didn't he? Um... So apparently the stars of Netflix's My Little Pony and New Generation are headlining a new ongoing series from IDW publication simply titled My Little Pony. Uh, written by Celeste Bronfman, Bronfman and illustrated by Amy Meberson, My Little Pony features uh, some little ponies and their sidekick as they explore a brand new equestrian following the magical events of the hit movie. Sure. Um, with magic return to Equestria, the ponies are more united than ever, and at least one uh, of the Unity Crystals is stolen! Gasp. Uh, can the main five get it? Main five? Um, find the culprit before magic is gone for good, and because there are five ponies and they're all, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, this is my little pony. There you go. They're in a new book. Next up. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Okay, last man. Why Skybound's Robert Kirkman is absolutely obsessed with this acclaimed French comic. Okay. The publisher is Skybound is bringing the complete run of acclaimed French comic Last Man to the English language market for the first time. As it turns out, Skybound founder Robert Kirkman is absolutely obsessed with the series. The series is created by Bastien Vives, Yves Balak, Bigarel, and Michael. Or yeah, I was about to say Michel is the the the. Uh, the French uh, Michael San Lavilla. Uh, this heavily manga influenced series is set in a fantasy world called Valley of Kings, where each year the king and queen hold a tournament of magicians. Okay. Yeah. So that, that's the thing. Apparently, Kirkman loves this thing. It's probably going to be an animated series at some point, too, knowing him. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, humans serve robots in Image, Image Comics' Metal Society. So, in a future world of robots, extinct humans have been brought back to life. Okay, let me stop that. Uh, but, but will they earn their place in society or will they have to fight for it? The forthcoming Image Top Cow sci-fi miniseries, Metal Society by Zach Kaplan, um, explores just, just that uh, side of the MMA-style 
just that with a side of MMA style sports fighting. So let's see, yeah. That Coblin, uh Guillermo Guillermo Balbi, Marco Lesko, and Troy Pateri are all on the creative team. And the rest of the article goes on uh, to talk about the plot of said book. But already what I just said kind of makes me interested in at least checking out the first issue of this book. Um, but we shall see. Also, Top Cow is still around. Go figure. I don't know why I said it. I did it like they weren't. But <laughs> Next up. So just to follow up on that previous story that I was talking about with Last Man... So uh, look for Last Man Volume 1 to hit comic book stores and digital providers on November 15th, 2022. Interestingly, the comic inspired 2016's Last Fight, a fighting game released on PS4, Xbox One, PC, and Nintendo Switch. Still doesn't mean anything to me, but it might too ride a cat. It would if I would. I don't recall that coming out, but okay. Yeah, that would be something in my purview. All righty. So next up, um, so when that Tennessee school board removed the Holocaust set graphic novel Mouse from its curriculum, there was a well-deserved uproar. So uh, the renewed interest in Mouse seems to have surprised some, namely its publisher, Penguin Random House. Now that Mouse is on bestseller list more than 40 years after it was first published, the book's publisher is seeking to have the book removed from the Internet Archive's digital library. Why? So the graphic novel being freely available online does not affect its book sales. Makes a ton of sense. Sure. So, yeah, there's that. Last but not least, um, so this is basically this article is about. Um, so, we know Amazon uh, bought Comixology like a, a while ago, and we did talk about the fact that um, Comixology was going to be merged into uh, Amazon's uh, page layout, basically. Um, and this article that is up here now is talking about uh, the user experience um, from the U.S. side. But there's also an article in the clickbait section talking to talk about the U.K. experience. Uh, I think the bottom line is here, like, um, and I believe this goes on to the app part about it. It's like, from what I skimmed through this, if you still have the Comixology app, keep that for as long as you can because the user experience here is nothing to really write home about. Um, and hopefully it's going to be allowed a, a long time before they actually retire uh, comicsology.com because it's still a, a little bit of a better experience than going through the Amazon page, which apparently they say here is just like going through the Kindle store. store. So if you've ever had experience going through that, you'll know what that's like. But, uh, but if you'd rather read about it for yourself, you can read this article uh, in the show notes. Uh, I know uh, from personal experience, yeah, looking for, unless you're looking for a particular Kindle release, yeah, sure. Like, if you just search for stuff, that's one thing, but if you're just browsing, that's a whole other thing, and i much rather have comicsology.com uh, stay around, as opposed to having to go through Amazon proper uh, for looking through comics. That's just me. So, Anyway, that's that. That is the end of the news. 
we uh we have come to the end of another comic con uh, chronicles but first let's get one more ad read in all right our last ad read of the night is for wink after this show could use a drink from (laughs) wink the personalized wine club wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door from rosé to cabernet to torrente wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover ever try an orange wine wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your taste and delivered directly to your door Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member, and you can skip or cancel anytime. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free 99 for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash Wink. That's cspn.us forward slash W-I-N-C. Wink Wines through CSPN. Do it today. And as we come to the end of another exciting episode of Comic Chronicles, thank you each and every one of y'all for coming out. Thank you for the, uh, the, the folks coming through on the video side. Thank you for the new follows. Uh, thank you if you're coming to, to check out the show after the fact, whether it's be uh, video or audio form. We appreciate it. All the lurks and the looks on all of that. Um, I have been... Oh, wait. I'm sorry. Wait. Before we go, I just remembered. Got one more thing. Totally forgot. Uh, seventy said he had a toy corner. Yeah, just a quickie toy corner. Uh, I'm going to turn off my virtual background here. But I wanted to uh, show that uh, I did, in fact, receive uh, the one um, the one figure from this latest Spider-Man retro wave that came out that included the Spider-Armor Mark One, Marvel's Hammerhead, a uh, cartoon version of the Hobgoblin, uh, Ben Riley Spider-Man on the new Spider-Man um, mold, and Marvel Shocker in a more animated uh, style costume. It is the symbiote costume or black costume Spider-Man on this uh, uh, extra poseable, more muscular Spider-Man body that most people prefer over the skinnier uh, pizza Spider-Man body. Um, I happen to think that um, either one works um, I don't mind the skinnier one. This one I haven't had a chance to mess around with, but I, it definitely looks good. Um, you know, it comes with two sets of extra hands, so um, it's definitely going to have its um, uh, flexible. Uh, it's going to be flexible in terms of the poses that you can get with it, and and the the the, the, the hands you know add to the. Uh, the flexibility that you have in choosing which poses to use. So uh, it's pretty cool looking. I'm eager to uh, mess around with it, but I'm glad to finally get it. Um, you know, I definitely uh, decided to pick and choose this wave because not don't near. I don't. I don't necessarily need any of these other kind of animated style ones. It would be nice to get the Mark One uh, or to finally get a Hammerhead, but uh, I could definitely do without a Ben Ry- another Ben Riley Spider Man. So, but definitely happy to uh, to get this uh, symbiote Spider Man now. Nice, and that's it for Toy Corner this week. And that focus is why you should watch the video version of this program because you miss out on stuff like that if you don't. Just saying, definitely. 
but with that, folks, I have been Roddy Cat. You can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News Need on Twitter. You can find me at the CFP Cops on Instagram. Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. I'm sure he'll probably put up some pictures of, uh, of the, the figure on his Instagram, I'm sure. Eventually. Yeah. And I know I have some stuff for CB Cast, but I need to put up. And I keep saying that, but I never do. But regardless, hey, it'll happen one of these days. But you can also find this here podcast on the Coast of the Podcast Network, the CSPN.us. Do it today. Indeed. You can also find this podcast on your po- uh, pro- podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coast of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Uh, you can find us recording every Thursday night. Um, 9.30-ish p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the YouTube channel of The Click Nation. That's youtube.com slash The Click Nation. And also twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles, all one word. Like, describe, subscribe, hit all that all that good stuff. Thanks for, like I said, again, appreciate the follows um, and all that kind of good jazz. Uh, But with that, this has been the Comic Book Chronicles. Peace. Peace one. And knowing is half the battle.